and brightest day and blackest night. All other podcasts tremble in fright. Losers cower before the power. Oranges lust and blues you can trust. Indigos feel and white ones heal. Yellow scare and green ones dare. That sapphire love and black hands glove will rock your foundation without hesitation. Chad and Mars face evil's minds. Respect their power for they'll make you see the light. Hi, everybody. I'm Chad Volkelman. I'm Myron Rumsey. I'm Phil Bova. And I'm Mark Marble. And this is the Lantern Cast. Episode 411. Not 4011. 411. <laughs> <laughs> no problem this week, folks. And we, we have an actual title for this one, and it's and it's a doozy, Mark. You wanna you wanna reveal to the to the listeners what it is? <laughs> the case for Green Lantern. Not to be confused with the Green Lantern case book. <laughs> That's a whole nother episode. <laughs> That's I, damn it! Now you got me thinking about about casebook episodes. Yes, that'll be that that'll, that that'll be our Tom Kalmakub special <laughs> focus on Tom. But it's not tonight. It's completely, that's completely irrelevant. Spotlight on Tom Kalmakub. That's right. Uh, <laughs> hey, that'll that, that would tie into our legacy, the last will and testament of Hal Jordan we've been punting on forever. Uh, that, that would be the exclamation point at the end of the but. Uh, so yes, tonight I'm gonna I'm going to give this to Chad in a few minutes to explain in detail what we're going to be doing tonight. But because this is Chad, Chad's had this idea f- and for a while, and we were trying to figure out when the best time to do this was. Um, so we're but we're sent as we've mentioned on the show before the the idea of you know, <laughs> simply put, Green Lantern doesn't seem pr- to be high priority for DC Warner Brothers <laughs> these days, and this episode is going to be a lot about the ram. That's going to be, that's like the, the the glue that holds everything together. But, but we're going to talk in detail about what that, why we think that is. Do we think there's going to be, you know, do we think it can can get better and how, you know, even as fans, we can like, kind of like maybe focus a little more Emerald light on our favorite character. Um, So my, as I'm about to hand this to Chad, my job's I'm going to try to be like the moderator on this. Now, not like a Chris Wallace, like moderator. Like I got nothing. I'm hoping to do better. I, I, I was going to say, you know, uh, you know, that's really not been that effective lately. But <laughs> <laughs> So we're not going to. So the odds are we're not going to be like we're not going to try to mute people. <laughs> So maybe, so maybe that's a good idea. So, so, so if uh, like sleepy Chad Bokeman goes on a rant, we need to shut him up. I can step in. <laughs> so wait a minute. So if I say, "Will you shut up, man?" <laughs> so yeah, there'll be there'll be no in, there'll be no interrupting and talking over people. But if it has to happen, make sure it happens during Chad's segment. That's Myron, what I have to say. Myron, do you here and now denounce the Sinestro Corps? <laughs> Uh, they had some good members <laughs> stand down and stand ready that's right um, 
Uh, I wish I could do a Chris Wallace impression, but I, I don't have one. But uh, sir, sir, yeah. sir, <laughs> yes, good, sir. But 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 if Mr. I, but President, if, but, Mr. President. But if I want, but I think if I try, if I, tr- I can't do it now because I'll keep laughing. But if I try to do my Bill Clinton to do the moderator, Chad would yell at me, so I won't be bothered. <laughs> We got to keep this steady. We got to keep moving along. All right. So, Chad, go ahead. The, the, the ball is in your court. Tell everybody how we get, what we're doing a little more in detail, and, and then we'll take it from there. So, uh, you know, I wasn't going to make the political joke, but since you, you beat me to the punch, I, I figured I'd go. I'll, I'll just go ahead with it. You know, unlike all the other politicians and, you know, potential leaders of the free world, I have written a statement (laughs) about this to sort of kick things off so that I can be very purposeful about what I say at the beginning. Okay, time is up. Okay, (laughs) Byron, it's all you. (laughs) So so with this quote-unquote prepared statement, we don't have to just stick to this and go straight into it the minute I finish, but I I did want to at least sort of try and encapsulate my idea behind this. Uh, and sort of the intent uh, in in a, in a couple paragraphs. So I just want to, I wrote this last night. Four so, scores, seven years ago. <laughs> so, um, so and I'm speaking here, you know, just directly to the listeners. It, it would be impossible to listen to four veteran podcasters who've opted to focus on the Green Lantern franchise speak on tonight's subject with any true sense of objectivity. But in listening to this episode, I want everyone here and now to understand something. Tonight's episode isn't a collective of fanboys with a platform throwing a tantrum because our favorite character isn't getting the spotlight. In putting together tonight's episode, Mark, Phil, Myron, and myself have stressed how imperative it is to back our points with as many facts as we are able Now, will there be a sense of passion behind the episode we're about to present? Absolutely. This is a podcast about Green Lantern, and DC Comics and Warner have seemingly skipped over giving the franchise the narrow end of the stick and gone straight to loaded weaponry. And as fans, it would be outright insincere for us to not inject our sense of frustration and spiritedness into tonight's discussion. But... We hope by presenting the facts of the matter and ending with genuine suggestions for improvement, we can be among those who call attention to the problem and work towards a solution within the means available to us. We don't want to be just another voice on the internet complaining into the overwhelming void of negativity. For us, this is as far as we can go. And like it or leave it, this podcasting platform and the audience it comes with is the best resource and tonight's content is the most thoughtful and intentional we could muster. That's the end of the prepared statement. So, so, what is so it? say us all. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well so, said, and it's not fake news. <laughs> so, so that's basically the idea. What we're going to be talking to you guys tonight is about how DC has DC and or Warner or a combination of both has intentionally, seemingly intentionally, or outright intentionally given the character and franchise of Green Lantern the short end of the stick over the past several years. We're going to then provide you with reasons and explanations and examples as to why the franchise is viable. And then at the end of it, we're not just going to have this whole episode just be a bitching contest. We are going to end the episode with what we believe are helpful suggestions and, and, and ideas to bring the franchise back to light or help DC overall 
kick things into high gear with Green Lantern again. Bravo, so, Chad. Bravo. That's, Bravo. <laughs> yeah. that's, that's the idea. Well said, sir. I'm going to wipe a tear out of my eye. <laughs> <laughs> Rebuttal. Myron, two minutes. <laughs> Chad, you ignorant slut. No. Okay. Um, so, so, yeah, tonight we're starting with, we're going to start, we're going to definitely start with the evidence. So, Mark, man, you, you, you take it from here. You're the moderator. How do you want to do this? Well, when it comes to the evidence, I decided to, instead of doing the traditional toy, toy cost, <laughs> coin toss, uh, Myron, since you wrote an outline that is worthy of a, of a, of a, a doctorate dissertation, <laughs> bravo, I'm going to give you the option of presenting evidence first, or would you like to defer and let Sleepy Chad go first? <laughs> I'll go. I'll go ahead. I'll tell you what, I've got three different points. So why don't I do a point and then Chad, you could do a point and we'll go back and forth. Yeah. Sounds perfect. All right. All right. So the the first thing I want to bring up is, is DC fandom, which I thought was such a fantastic outlet for DC and Warners to market all of the franchises, all of their upcoming uh, big events, their TV projects, movie projects, what have you. And leading up to part one, I mean, this became a two-day event because I think they were a little concerned about trying to do so many things live, and I think they ended up doing everything recorded. But leading up to part one, uh, DC used Green Lantern in its promotional images, and in response to one of them, which which used Hal, uh, was an image from the, the current run, uh, on, a, on August 13th, HBO Max responded and said, cue me wildly speculating about what Green Lantern content we're going to see, which created a sense of expectation. And then Alex Ross did the same thing. He kind of posted a picture of Hal and said, excited DC announcement kind of thing. So it really created some fan expectation. Well, then when the first part of DC fandom took place, Green Lantern was only used in background imagery. There was not a panel for Green Lantern. There, there was nothing about the HBO Max show. There was nothing about Green Lantern's 80th anniversary or, or legacy, even though they did a whole panel to reveal a Wonder Woman 80th anniversary logo, which isn't even until next year. Uh, so it seems like they, they omitted Green Lantern from this completely. And then, you know, a lot of us took back and said, well, you know, there's going to be a part two. There's, there's going to be a part two. Maybe maybe they got caught from part one and part two schedule came out and you had all of these events and you didn't have anything for Green Lantern other than an origami video on how to make a power ring out of paper. So the DC <laughs> Max show not covered at all. The 80th anniversary not covered at all. They, they gave a panel and I don't want to say a panel. They gave a spotlight to example to iZombie, which now I, I loved iZombie. It was a great TV show. Never read the book, but the TV show has been off the air for I think a year or so. And the comic hasn't been printed in nine years. So how come that gets a spotlight when there's really nothing to promote and Green Lantern gets absolutely nothing? Why, why was it overlooked? Uh, rumor has it that, well, there was content that got canceled last minute. Uh, there's allusions to the Jeff Johns thing, but wait a minute, Jeff Johns was on a three Jokers panel and on the Stargirl panel. So that can't be it either. So as a Green Lantern fan going into this big two-day multimedia internet event, which had the Twitter universe going nuts and had millions of people watching, Green Lantern was nowhere to be seen but the background. Yeah. So it's also worth noting too, that this year is the 80th Green Lantern, the 80th anniversary of Green Lantern. Sure. To go into what you said about the Wonder Woman anniversary, which is not until next year. So, I mean, that just adds to the insult to injury when it's overlooked entirely, you know, like what you said about the Wonder Woman uh, panel reveal. And to, 
when you're not part, when you're not part of the Trinity, you just don't. Care. Uh, well, <laughs> if, if they weren't touting Cyborg and Flash so hard and Aquaman, then then that I would know. count. But that uh, it, to elaborate a little bit on the Alex Ross perspective of this on the on the nineteenth of August. Alex Ross tweeted an image of Hal Jordan flying sort of upwards in, you know, of course, Alex Ross's beautiful style. And he used a bunch of hashtags associated with it. GL, uh, DC Comics, Monday Thoughts, Monday Motivation, DC. Also, hashtag coming soon, hashtag breaking news, hashtag DC fandom. Now, that tweet was deleted, but interestingly enough, the same day Alex Ross tweeted the photo of the screenshot of his own tweet and said, wait, what? Hashtag DC Comics, DC, DC Fandom again. Unless I'm mistaken, there wasn't anything Alex Ross related out of DC Fandom. So it wasn't just HBO Max saying, you me speculating wildly about what Green Lantern content might we might see. And for those of you not aware... HBO Max is the one behind the new Green Lantern live action TV series that's supposed to be coming up. We also got arguably one of the biggest artists in the entire industry tweeting something that teased something Green Lantern coming soon and nothing even involving the name of the artist was involved in DC fandom. It's also worth noting, too, that his first tweet was Monday Thoughts. His second one that he responded to was Tuesday Motivation, Tuesday Thoughts. Mm hmm. You know, so it, it, it kind of makes you wonder who deleted the tweet to begin with. Yeah, I'm, I, I do apologize. So the original tweet uh, was a Monday and, the, and the, the follow-up tweet was a Tuesday. So, yes, that is right. There's right. a day between them. Right. Uh, it, some people may not listening to this may not care, but one of my goals of this was to make sure this is as factual as possible. So there sure, we go. Sure. <laughs> and a debate. Come on, Chad. <laughs> <laughs> Not that it's really a debate, it's a discussion, but still. <laughs> and, and considering Alex, we know Alex Ross is such a big Hal Jordan guy, too. The fact that that that, that was very promising before yet again crashing on the rocks. <laughs> well, and it, uh, it, you know, it felt a little bit like being Charlie Brown and having Lucy pull the ball away. <laughs> well, and then also yes. imagine how he feels. I mean, what if it even was, what, maybe it was his intentions because there was supposed to be something announced, but maybe they pulled back on him entirely and he had to delete his tweet or somebody deleted his tweet or whatnot. And then, cause that one, the second tweet says, wait, what, you know, and it's kind of like, how does he feel? You know, I mean, he, he's a prominent artist in the DC universe, you know, prominent art, prominent artists anywhere. So, I mean, what was behind the motivation behind those tweets and why was one deleted and why did he respond with another one saying, wait, what, <laughs> you know, with a question mark. And that's 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 a that's a good point, Phil, because like no matter what we talk about in all of this tonight, it's entirely possible. A lot of this is just circumstance. Myron mentioned it when he was going through his points. Maybe they just didn't have the content ready to go or maybe something happened scheduling wise. We can allow for all the things in the world. But in in the in the context of this episode, it doesn't really matter what the real reason was. All that really matters at this point is what it seems like, what right. it appears to be happening. And we'll get that more as as we go along in the episode because, you know, you know, uh, and I don't I just I'll just use the word jokes. The jokes that are out there, they can be funny and haha and everything, but all that matters is the vibe it puts out there concerning the character. And 
teasing big announcements, big announcements, and big announcements, only to have nothing but an origami folding session, uh, is uh, it feels like slights and outright appears as if the character of Green Lantern. It's one thing if you focus on Batman, Superman, and Wonder Woman. They're the Trinity, and and this is the thing: DC Comics and Warner Brothers. It's a business. If those three make them money, it, as much as as and I think I think Phil's the biggest one here. As much as we say screw Batman, um, uh, I think I, 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 at the end of the day, from a business perspective, it makes sense to go with your money makers. But we're talking beyond the Trinity to the Seven. They are touting also Aquaman. They are touting Flash. They are in some ways touting Cyborg, although it seems to be they're distancing a little bit from that, given everything going on with the Justice League movie. That's neither here nor there. Um, But it seems like when it comes to what we used to consider the A tier of Green Lantern, we are purposefully excluding Green Lantern. And I'm not just saying, I'm, as much as we would say, hey, I would prefer X Green Lantern to be at the forefront, we're not talking just how tonight. We're talking Green Lantern, the franchise. Right, everybody, everybody included. You know, to, to jump in on a point you're making, you're making about the seven, you know, if you include the Trinity, you know, you, you can also, you can also take Superman off of that because even, even that, has been in wild speculation recently with with Henry Cavill whether he's coming back to play another another Superman movie or another role. I mean, sure, he's going to be in this this Snyder Cut Justice League that's coming out, and I'm sure he's doing whatever reshoots he's doing. But it seems like it seems like DC itself is entirely focusing on Batman, uh, Wonder Woman, and since Aquaman did so well at the box office, he he might be another one character thrown there. So if if I may, are you, are you allowed to curse on your your <laughs> feel free it almost seems like dc's throwing shit at the wall and whatever sticks they're going to go with and that's what they're going to run with now i mean me being the batman fan that i'm not everything that batman's thrown at the wall it always sticks because he has such a huge following i mean there's no denying the fact that that the fan base for batman is huge and he's popular i'm not going to dispute that but, I mean, anything you do with Batman, you can throw it at the wall and it's going to stick and the fans eat it up. I mean, there's a new – weekly, there's probably 10 Batman titles that, that get released. But then you got Wonder Woman that did, that did so well at the box office. And, of course, her comics are, are, are still doing favorably well, I would assume. But then you got Aquaman, who his comics ending. Now, I don't know where it's going after the last title or whatnot. But, again, we speak to Trinity – and Superman, it doesn't even feel like he takes that top tier format anymore, unless you just count alone Bendis because he's what DC has right now for all things Superman. That's what I, that's the point I wanted to make towards what you were talking about with the Trinity. Well, you know, Batman seems to be a license to print money for DC right. and Warners, um, right. but when you look at the comic sales. Uh, even you know the Morrison run is is kind of divisive amongst fans. There are fans that like it. There are people that don't like it, uh, and, and so on. But even though it's a divisive series from a fan perspective, it's still outselling two thirds of the Trinity books. The only thing that's outselling Green Lantern right now is Batman, the Justice League series, and event books. So you could make an argument, and that's without much of a push, mind you. You, you could argue that Green Lantern is still the same solid 
um, stable character for DC Comics than it has been since the Johns run. I mean, certainly it's not doing the numbers that the Johns run did, but it's still one of the top properties from a DC Comics publishing standpoint. That is a good point. I think I think that is true that you look at it and it's like it, it's like you go do your own thing, Green Lantern. It's like we don't we don't know what we're gonna do with you. We're not sure. We don't, yeah, we're not sure what we should do with you, what we can do with you, when we're going to do something with you. So we'll stick a big name writer on your book. We'll push it a little bit like very in the very beginning when the transition was when to make the, the big deal that Grant Morrison was coming to Green Lantern. And then we're just kind of like, well, we'll just let you go off on your own. And yet, like you said, overall, the book is, you know, the book is still a solid seller. So it, it just, again, tells you that even from uh, when you factor in things are being ignored. And there's not a lot of focus and a lot of energy and a lot of money being spent on, you know, the property that it also, in a way, it still reminds you of how viable it can be or could be again under the right circumstance. Right. I mean, if you look at, for example, the Far Sector book, it got a tremendous market push in the beginning, but it's, it's selling less than half of what the Green Lantern book is selling. So there's something about this property that people like. So you, you, it's back to Myron, correct, Chad? Or did you not? Did you not present anything? Uh, uh, so I, I just added on with the Alex Ross thing. That's what I was. Yeah, expand, that's what I was sure. on. Uh, so I'll, I'll, I'll go just because it'll give us our, our moderator a chance <laughs> to, to jump in a little bit. Um, <laughs> uh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna go multimedia here. Uh, in terms of film, Myron will talk a bit about the Arrowverse after me. Uh, but uh, but I'll just touch on the film since I seem to have a majority of that over here. So. Uh, this essentially being, uh, let's, let's start with justice league, uh, in the lead up to the justice league movie, uh, Zack Snyder on February 19th of 2015 posted the now sort of infamous, uh, teaser poster for justice league that includes Jason Momoa as Aquaman over the front of which is the letters unite the seven. Um, now apparently Hindsight being 2020, uh, and after various interviews and thing like the, things like that, Unite the Seven was meant to be referring to the Seven Kingdoms of Atlantis. But used in the marketing for a Justice League movie, come on. You knew exactly what fans would think with that marketing scheme. That is intentional. Now, this wasn't marketing for the Aquaman movie. It was marketing for... Justice League before we even knew that the whole seven kingdoms thing would be playing into the Aquaman film. This was a promotional push for justice league. And it said, unite the seven very clearly. I mean, look, you can, you can say we're reading into it all you want, but when it's in the marketing for justice league, unite the seven means something completely different than it does when it's in marketing for Aquaman. Um, in, uh, in terms of other uh, media, so Green Lantern, as we know, has, uh, has since the 2011 film has become the butt of jokes. DC uh, has seemingly switched Aquaman and Green Lantern in that regard in some in some respects. Although I'm not going to sit here and say that Green Lantern has gotten this the uh, equal measure of crap that Aquaman fans got over the decades. Um, but it seems for for the now that the the roles have been reversed. Um, 
one of the ways I can talk about this is, is even in the marketing that goes towards kids. And that includes movies like the Lego movie. In the Lego movie, Green Lantern was a character, albeit briefly, in the film and played by Jonah Hill. But he was portrayed as an incompetent annoyance at best. Uh, if you guys remember the scene, uh, mm-hmm. Superman gets stuck in a ball of gum or something like that. Uh, yeah. Green Lantern's like, I'm coming to save you, Superman. And then he gets stuck in the gum uh, and Superman goes, I super hate you. Um, and then there is the Teen Titans go to the movie, uh, go to the movies uh, film, the, the animated feature. Even in the trailer, you have a quote. Starfire says, has there been a movie about you? And Green Lantern, John Stewart, says there was a Green Lantern movie, but we don't talk about that. More evidence, take it as you will, that Warner doesn't seem to care to help bolster the property of Green Lantern. And, of course, if you ever wanted them to steer into the skid of making fun of Green Lantern, on May 18th of 2018, Warner Brothers Home Entertainment put a photo on their Twitter account of Ryan Reynolds, you know, ha- hovering the ring over his hand, like when he presents it to Mark Strong's, uh, or not Mark Strong's, when he points it to Peter Sarsgaard's uh, Hector Hammond, and it's hovering over his hand. And the the text was, we tried to put a ring on it, hashtag Green Lantern at Van and City Reynolds, so Ryan Reynolds' Twitter account. This was in response to Deadpool, the Deadpool film, I believe it was Deadpool 2, Um the Deadpool films release and the joke at the end scene where you show Ryan Reynolds reading the Green Lantern script and then getting blown away by Deadpool. Uh, I'm sure Mark will have plenty to say about Ryan Reynolds, uh, but in terms of uh, facts and in terms of things Warner directly is able to control on their own end, uh, those were some of the things I saw as being outright slights. Now, have there been other jokes about Green Lantern? made in on behalf of Warner and DC directly themselves. Clearly, yes, it's not just these three examples, but these three, well, four, if you include the Justice League, were the most jarring to me. And anybody can feel free to include their own examples here or, or expand on some of the ones I brought up. So let me just add, add one thing to this. Um, the Justice League Dark Apocalypse War, the way that Green Lantern was treated during the ending of the DC Animated Universe uh, movie series, uh, Hal was in the back of seat of the plane flying to Apocalypse while Batman was flying the jet. It, it somehow didn't make any sense that Hal would be sitting in the back. He's the pilot, the most experienced space traveler in the bunch, and he's sitting in the back doing nothing and died an on-screen, off-screen death and had no role in the entire ending of their universe. And you, you add that, it's just it feels like there's a slight after slight after slight. Uh, the Ryan Reynolds thing, I mean, there's rumors saying that Zack Snyder wants Ryan Reynolds to reprise the Green Re- Green Lantern role in the Snyder Cut. And I, I frankly, as a, as a Green Lantern fan, as much as I was supportive of Ryan Reynolds, the way he has acted about that movie since the movie ended, all the shade that he throws at it, I really don't want to see him with the ring on again. Okay, now I'm jumping in. Good. Thank you, Myron. That was right. that was perfect. Did, did, right. I, did, I, did I softball pitch that one for you, Mark? Yes, 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 yes. <laughs> I, I was debating whether I should follow Chad or not, but it was perfect that I, I didn't. Uh, 
before I go into the Ryan Reynolds, but they, they both basically both of the things I'm thinking of are t- directly related to what Myron said. That's why it was a perfect segue. Now, depending on what you hear that and some of the, some of the things we saw for Justice League anyway, some of the footage would indicated that in the uh, Snyder always planned on having Green Lantern in it. And some rumors are that the scene the Green Lantern was supposed to show up in or whatever, that the like the Batman part of it basically was already filmed, but they didn't film the Green Lantern part. So that's possible. We don't know. But yes, dealing with Ryan Reynolds, exactly. Now, Ryan Reynolds may be a really nice guy and he looks like he'd be a cool guy to hang out with. And he does seem to be uh, you know, maybe in uh, in real life. He doesn't take himself overly serious. But when it comes to the Green Lantern property, basically what Myron said is how you know, that that sums it up really, really well. It's like, I think, first of all, if, if Ryan Reynolds would agree to do it, it basically makes him a hypocrite. So on that one level, if he did it, I wouldn't be upset because it just, it really, he's throwing shade at himself, even though, and the fact, it's not like he's, it's not like he's signing up to do a Spielberg Justice League movie. Uh, Martin Scorsese, it's, it's Zack Snyder. Who, and I like Zack Snyder's movies overall. I don't like his DC movies all that much. But I like, I, but I enjoy most of Zack Snyder's movies. You know, he's not coming back. To, you know, to this this great auteur <laughs> in, in, in his vision. I mean, if this movie, this well, not really the movie. This like little, little limited series here is the odds of it being. It might be entertaining, but the odds of it being anything special, or I think, are pretty remote. But if he comes back on one level, it just makes him. It just makes him a hypocrite. But I agree. I really don't want him coming back because I think he's gone beyond the point of it's there's one thing about being able to laugh at yourself and say, okay, you know, yeah, 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 yeah. Everybody made fun of this movie. I can kind of, I can kind of see why people made fun of it. I can kind of see ha ha ha, but it's like almost like he's made a second career at a, a, of dumping on that movie. When if he had that many issues with the, if, if he had that many issues with the project and again, depending what you read, you know, I think he asserted that, th- that there was like no script for the movie when he took it, which doesn't make sense. I think it's more and I think it's more like because especially since we re- we we know that was an original draft of the script. We talked about it on the on the show. So there was a script of the movie. Um, yeah, that uh, episode, by the way, it was co- it was I don't remember the number, uh, but you're looking for the episode titled What Could Have Been. Right. When I get a chance, when I'm when someone else is talking, I'll try to I'll try to look up the episode n- number. But the odds are that it was the script was probably being worked on as the movie and being rewritten as the movie was being filmed. So but either way, if he had that many qualms with it, he shouldn't have taken the role. Uh, Was he the reason the movie failed? No. But as I've said repeatedly, he also didn't bring anything to the table to so to overcome the weaknesses in that movie. The only movies Ryan Reynolds has ever been in that he's actually that he's been this quote unquote star in and have done anything really have been the two Deadpool movies. So I think, and the fact that he constantly digs at it, and I like I've I've talked about like I've t- to Chad and I have talked about this when he came out and he did that little when he was doing that accepting that award or whatever, and he brought out like the little mini power battery and destroyed it and on stage, and it was like really, it's like that's just it's it's just insulting at this point. I mean, he wasn't even a great Hal Jordan. He was okay. He wasn't bad, but he wasn't great at it. It's it's not like he was as he wasn't as good as Hal Jordan as Mark Strong was as Sinestro. Definitely, he was, he was okay. And you know, in compared to the you know the other two people he was in the you know in the final running for with uh, what Timberlake and 
and Bradley Cooper. Yeah, I wanted him to get the job because I thought he'd be the most he could do the best job of the three. But, you know, it's like it's timed, especially now that he's got the Deadpool thing and he's successful with that. And even as a co-star in a lot of movies, you know, he's not a draw himself. He's yet to prove that as a Ryan Reynolds is a box office draw. He has yet to prove that. I am sure that if they do release Free Guy in January in uh, December, which they probably won't, but if they stick to that, I'm sure that movie's not going to do well, and I'm sure it wouldn't do particularly well even if there was no COVID-19 because he has yet to prove he could open a movie by being Ryan Reynolds. I think he just needs to give the Green Lantern shtick a rest because some people might think it's funny as Green as a Green Lantern fan, especially as a Green Lantern fan uh, another Green Lantern fan, since we already talked, since Myron, I think, went down this road, a Green Lantern fan that was kind of happy that he got this role to begin with. And now it's like he's just like he's insulting the property. He's insulting everything. And it's like, yeah, I, it, it's really, really, really annoying. So what? So one thing they definitely could do is they, you know, especially if it's supposedly Warner Brothers offered him another job. Was it was it Booster Gold? Supposedly the rumor is they offered him a Booster Gold. But no matter what. I mean, if they're ever going to do anything with him related to the DCU, it's like one of the things they should say is, hey, OK, you know, fun's fun. But do we, let's cut the Green Lantern crap now, please. <laughs> and that's what I think in general, moving towards resurrecting Green Lantern and not continuing this. It's like it's like they keep picking at the scab instead of just letting things heal. And that gets and that's it's been like nine over nine years now. Right. It's like, let let it go. You good? Yeah. Did you get out of your system? <laughs> I think so. So, and, me, and, and oh, I'm sorry, I apologize, Phil. I just wanted to add it. We're we're 100 aware, guys, that in in at least in that regard, he is not currently tied to the DC universe at right now. So Warner and DC have no control over what Ryan does. But again, this is all about public perception. This is right. feeding in to the idea that the property is not viable. Right. If he wants to move on, on from it, then maybe he should shut up and quit bringing it up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. There you go. I knew Myron was going to get sparky about that one. <laughs> <laughs> so let me see if I can play devil's advocate here. You know, I'm, I'm no Ryan Reynolds fan. I didn't, I mean, I, I'm with you. I think he did an okay job in the movie. He did an okay Hal Jordan, but let's say for, let's say for the sake of argument, since this is supposed to be the intellectual roundtable for stating our case, let's say that he's just PO'd because of the fact of what they did to him, uh, the movie, and how well it did not do, apparently. And let's say he's pissed off about that, and that's why he keeps throwing shade that way, because he felt like he could have done a better job, or he felt like the script could have been better, or for whatever surmountable number of reasons that are out there. So let's say that's his reasoning behind his onslaught on the Green Lantern character itself. And, you know, that may be part of his persona. I don't know, but I'll give him the benefit of the doubt that maybe that factors in somewhere. But still, with Myron, you know, at some point you got to shut your mouth and let bygones be bygones and be done with it. And you've already moved on. It's time to let it go. You know, you, 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 need, to, you need to say when, when is enough. You know, and the fans... You know, us fans, we can see through it because if we just know it's just typical him being him. But in the public perception and people who do like him and do like him as Deadpool, because, you know, there's always that Marvel DC rivalry. You know, fans are like, yeah, yeah, that Green Lantern movie that sucked. Yeah, yeah, this and that. Yeah. Ryan Reynolds is trashing on Green Lantern again. 
that goes a long way towards character perception. And, you know, and no, nobody likes shade being thrown their way. I liken him to like uh, what Daniel Craig did to the Bond character. I mean, he was throwing a lot of shade at it, throwing a lot of shade at not being wanting to be James Bond and not, you know, not appreciative of the, the, of the franchise itself. And it's like, okay, dude, you know, they signed you up to play this role just because you didn't like it or it didn't turn out how you wanted it to turn out, then walk away. You, you have it. You have an opportunity to, to exit yourself from the situation entirely. That doesn't give you the right to sit here and start trash talking the whole franchise just because shit didn't go the way you wanted it and how you planned it. You know, it's time to move on and go on to other things. And clearly, clearly he's done that with Deadpool itself. But to go back to Justice League, if if and this is a big if Zack Snyder has some kind of inkling where he wants him to be in that movie, maybe and just maybe and this is going to be the biggest far stretch theory I could even come up with. Maybe maybe there is some kind of secret project going on where he's going to be in there. And maybe that's going to maybe the reason why nothing was included in fandom or nothing's been announced or nothing's been revealed yet is because they're waiting to see how Zack Snyder's Justice League is going to come out. If, in fact, Snyder decided to include a Green Lantern persona in that film, if it's him or if it's somebody else, maybe that's why they're waiting to see how it's going to be perceived. I don't know. But uh, but I'm with you guys on on, on Ryan Reynolds. I just I, I, I think it's time to, to let it go. I'm, I'm sick of hearing it myself, and I and I get tired. I, and I even have some people I talk to, fans. You know, man, Ryan Reynolds is dissing on Green Lantern again. And I'll usually respond, I don't care. Let him. Not hurting my feelings, none. You know, there's there's more that was wrong with that movie than than just him entirely, and I'll go back to what you guys said. I mean, Sinestro far outshined him as, as, as just in that little small clip at the end than what he did that whole entire movie you know and, and that's my that's my that's my little case on it but yeah, I, I mean Ryan Reynolds yeah yeah maybe, maybe part of the 70 million dollar budget that yeah. they have for the reshoots which for the movie that was supposedly finished and ready right. to go right. uh is, we, is, we all, is know, part we of all knew that wasn't the case we all I mean everybody <laughs> I mean Anybody who knew anything knew that it wasn't the best case scenario. You would have an extremely that he that he would be able to throw together an extremely rough cut with a whole bunch of unfinished special effects by the eye. But the people who were who were living in a fantasy world that literally they were almost like stuck in like all, like already either assembled in the drawer or just having a few reels to slice together. You'd have a, a movie that was theoretically could be released. No, that was now one. I, there's something else I'm going to say, but I know you want to get in on this, Chad. So um, I'll wait after you talk. No, no, no. Go ahead. Uh, I, 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 because it's not necessarily Green Lantern related. Uh, I, I don't. I, I won't expand on it anymore. I was just making a joke that maybe part of the seventy million is is part of Ryan Reynolds' conditions for returning his Green Lantern. <laughs> If that's at all true, <laughs> yeah, yeah, and, 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 and he probably would get like he would probably get like five hundred thousand of that. Because <laughs> that's, that's about as much as they probably would would pay him. Um, regarding what Phil said, now again, playing devil's advocate, if Ryan Reynolds had not, if if he didn't have Deadpool, which of course where Deadpool stands right now is an ask, you know, we don't really know, but let's let's forget about you know he's kind of in limbo with with Marvel right now because they. Maybe they don't even know what they what they're going to do with Deadpool. But if he hadn't found success as Deadpool and he was still languishing in, you know, in in the shadow of that Green Lantern failure. And yes, maybe it's because he was really excited to potentially be that 
even though he does seem more like a flash than, than the green lantern. But the point is that if he was really excited of having a franchise of his own and that seeing what this could be and leading to like the Sinestro core war and all these different, and the blackest night, and all these potential things. And yes, having a crash and burn that, yes, there could be some bitterness about just how that, how maybe DC, how in WB handled that project. I could see that more, but he's got Deadpool and Deadpool. Mm. Put, and, and we should point out just for the sake of accuracy, his first appearance at Deadpool wasn't any better than his first appearance as Green Lantern. Uh, <laughs> true, I mean, true. Wolverine Origins. I mean, Wolverine Origins. You know, was a pretty hard. <laughs> I mean, I don't hate that movie the way most people do, but as far as especially when you get to the end of the movie and that version of Deadpool, I mean, uh, people would say that's an even more you know bastardized version of Deadpool than anything he did as Green Lantern was for you know as a version of Hal Jordan. But yet, but yet he didn't. He did. You know. And he, yes, he makes fun of that movie too. He does make so that, that there is fairness here. He makes fun of that project of that project too. But he didn't quite make fun of it as much when he says when as as long as there was still hope that he might actually get his own movie out. Of it. I just think yes, at this point, just 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 let just just let the let the damn thing go. And so we can move on from Roger Reynolds. Thank God. <laughs> Yeah, did did anybody have any other points about uh you know the jokes and and Lego movie or or Teen Titans go to the movies or or any of the other want, stuff? I do want to add a part about the uh, the, the Zack Snyder tweet about the Unite the Seven. Back when that tweet was out and you guys can correct me if I'm wrong on this, that was before he was he had to exit the role if I'm not mistaken, right? Correct. When when ignorant Josh Whedon came on, you know, well, let me say let me rephrase that asshole face John Whedon <laughs> came on and you know so maybe his original intent was to have you know a Green Lantern in the film at that time now fast forward to where we are now knowing how the film has been received since it came out knowing that he wasn't a part of that you know there might have been some things that oh okay well it's this allusion to Atlantis and yada 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 this and that just to gain some popularity with the Aquaman franchise moving forward but a lot of stuff that we probably are talking about tonight, there could be a lot of stuff that gets revealed when that Snyder cut comes out because he's been pretty tight lipped about the Green Lantern stuff in regards to that movie, you know, and I would assume knowing him and I don't know him, but knowing how he is in his interviews and stuff like that, I would assume that that's something that he would want to savor for a big reveal and not let anybody know what's happening with that, mainly because look how much popularity the Snyder Cut has gained over the course of the years. I mean, it's what started out as a tweet and a hashtag, you know, has turned into a whole movement with a petition, which turned into, okay, finally, you guys, you guys got us in a corner. We're going to go ahead and we're going to do this. Now you bring up the budget and stuff like that. Well, the, none of the budget was revealed until after this started gaining that much momentum and that much popularity. So I'm assuming that WB probably got some kind of inkling. I don't know. I don't know why it took them so long, but a, a bunch of bright light bulbs probably went off in their heads and say, okay, you know, we need to take some serious consideration here. Look how much popularity we got. Look how many people are probably signing up for HBO Max, because I know I did. And look how many people are waiting for this movie to come out. This could be a goldmine for us, and this could be something that could turn us turn us around. 
That said, they probably shot some more money at them. I don't know if that's the case or not, but I mean, WB is just not going to, I don't know. I mean, they haven't been wise in their decision-making and they haven't been wise in their marketing perspective moving forward. So maybe some kind of switch happened to where they're like, this could be something here, but in hindsight, but for Zack Snyder, he might not be able to reveal any of these elements because he's, He's under a constraint, so he, he so he can't, you know, because they want to have this kind of movie come out and see how well it's going to do with the reveals that may or may not be in it. Just a thought. So maybe it was the original, the United Seven, and maybe it was supposed to have a Green Lantern in it at the time. You know, they, I believe they had different. Didn't they, did they not use that slogan on different posters too? Yeah, they sure did. So that so that would really that would logically shoot the idea that they were just talking about Atlantis because there would be right. absolute nothing to to most people, even people who just casually read DC comics, they would never think about oh the Seven Kingdoms of Atlantis. Nobody no. would put that together. When you're There's saying unite the seven and you're using the same slogan on poster on posters showing different characters, you, you, it clearly is implying that you're that you not that you're you're uniting seven characters that you bring and, seven. I, and, I, and i would be curious to think of how the marketing was with with snyder being on board as opposed to the marketing that came out after he had left i mean did that slogan change i mean maybe some of the i don't know what the posters look like afterwards i, I don't know if it still had to unite the seven but well, if I remember I, correctly it didn't well i i to to your point, and in, in, to the idea of trying to be as factual as possible, I did try to find other Unite the Seven stuff. I'm, admittedly, I didn't spend hours on it, but the sure. the only sort of verifiable Unite the Seven marketing stuff I could find was the 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 tweet that Snyder himself sent out when mm-hmm. when that was announced, and with the with the Jason Momoa image behind it. I did see other Unite the Seven images. Uh, like a in a Google image search. And, and for the record, I did try a bunch of combination of keywords, not just Unite the Seven and just one search and done. But the other images I found seemed to be more fan-made or seemed to be uh, not as well composed, <laughs> I guess. Sure. Didn't seem sure. like official marketing. Uh, so I did just, I, I just ended up sticking solely with the one I could verify, which was Zack Snyder's personal tweet. Okay. Well, I mean, it can be something to think about. I mean, I don't think I don't think Zack Snyder's the filmmaker that's just going to let things get scathed over. I mean, if he had a vision, you know, that's just now coming to fruition finally because he's getting his chance to tell his tale, I I, I find it hard to believe that he's just going to tuck stuff under, let Josh Whedon come in and, and and trash all his hard work without him having some kind of grand scheme on what he was going to be originally to do with this whole film. So it, it's something to think about. And I have, and I like Snyder. I think, I think he's a great guy and I, I like his films. I liked all his films. I mean, every one of them has been great in their own right. I, myself, when this came out, you know, I was really upset with, with Whedon. I, did, I don't like the guy. I never did like the guy, you know, I, I didn't like him coming on board. I didn't, you know, and I definitely don't like hearing about what, this whole uh, uh, Ray Fisher and, you know, Jason Momoa thing that's been coming out recently about how their treatment on, on set or whatnot, you know, I don't know. So it's, it's food for thought. I mean, maybe, maybe there's something, Snyder's got something up his sleeve. We won't know until next year, but time will tell. This is true. And my sucks. (laughs) So as we're trying to move through the evidence, it's, I think the ball would be back in Myron's court. 
That yeah. is correct. Yes. So get it, Myron. I <laughs> <laughs> the tiger. I the tiger. I the tiger. Uh, <laughs> we need a montage. Uh, <laughs> we can do that. <laughs> Uh, you know, we, we'd been talking a lot about the film universe, which puts the characters in front of a lot of eyes. But when you go to the TV universe, you have a chance to be in people's houses every week. And a big part of DC's TV plans, in fact, probably the bulk of their DC TV plans have been, have been centered on the Arrowverse. And early on in the creation of the Arrowverse, Greg Berlanti, a name which is very familiar to Green Lantern fans, is one of the original writers of the movie. Uh, said they weren't going to te- tease anything that didn't pay off. You know, we're not going to do Easter eggs that don't pay off in some way. Uh, and and then from the very beginning, you see Hal Jordan being teased in the Flash pilot as an example, uh, or you saw the, the the Hal Jordan blinking you miss it cameo when Oliver Queen is in Co City. And and despite Hal being Ali and Barry's best friend, the, he was never there. Even even if even if it wasn't. As a Green Lantern, you could have had the character there in some fashion. So it seems like it's a huge missed opportunity. And then you take the John Diggle character, which they started alluding to John Diggle maybe being John Stewart or, you know, he's John Stewart on another Earth. Uh, you know, they, they did that tease. And then during the Crisis on Infinite Earths, they did a tease of, of John getting some green object, which, of course, we all put two and two together and get four that it's a green lantern ring based on the teases they've had, but it never really paid off. And an excuse that we kept getting over and over again is that, well, green lantern can't be on TV because he's reserved for the movies, but that rule doesn't seem to apply to the flash or Superman in any way, shape or form. And then people talk about with the special effects, but if you look at the effects we've had, we've had some pretty darn good looking stuff. We've had, I'm watch. sorry to interrupt. We have had a King Shark and Gorilla Grodd battle. <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> if we can do that, if we can make the Flash run up the side of buildings and and do Firestorm and all these things, then there's saying that you can do Green Lantern just bullshit. Now that Shark Grodd stuff was probably like half their budget for the year, though, Chad. Come well, on, yeah. <laughs> come on, I'm being honest. So, so I, it, I, I, I own all of this, this, the Arrowverse on Blu-ray. Uh, and if you go back and you watch that King Shark uh, Gorilla Grodd episode, there's a point where it's just a battle between those two, and the battle largely takes place in a dark, abandoned factory while it's raining and there's a strobe light. So, 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 so it's, it's very much a, we can't afford the budget to, to have these two animated behemoths go at it for a full 10 minutes or whatever. So we're just going to go ahead and put it in a place where it's okay. if they look sort of wet and out of focus. (laughs) So right. That's that's neither here nor there, but I, I, yeah, I'm a hundred percent with you. Right. I mean, and, they, they can do flying. So what what would be the big tough thing to do? A construct? Yeah. And and I think I think the thing that bugs me more than anything with the Arrowverse is you have and you you said it yourself, Myron. You had regardless of whether you believe it's Barry or you believe it's 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 Ollie, it doesn't matter. Hal Jordan's two best friends have their own series. And we haven't seen Hal. I mean, in in, in 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 his entirety, we haven't seen him. Uh, and and they keep. Um, I'm sorry. I'm sorry to to any listeners of 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 uh, 
uh, of gentle constitution. But we've been we as Green Lantern fans in the Arrowverse, they've been edging us for quite a while. <laughs> yeah. Where's the payoff, man? <laughs> exactly right, man. Good points. Yeah. So and and I, I don't know where else it's going to go. Uh, maybe it just serves as a good segue between uh, between uh, this and, and Myron's next section. But I'm going to go ahead and throw it in as part of the Arrowverse since some of the animated films, the directed DVD animated films, are connected to the Arrowverse with the with regard to like the Ray and Vixen and, and things like that. Uh, recently, uh, and I'm just going to throw it in there because again, sort of tangentially related. Recently, the um, is was it uh, yeah the man of tomorrow animated feature direct to dvd uh-huh. animated feature came out in that movie if you buy a hard copy there is a two inserts there's one for your digital copy if you bought a copy that comes with a digital code and there's another insert to take a survey i purchase a lot of the DC direct to DVD animated films. You never know which one of these is going to be a fantastic film a la under the red hood, but red sun, uh, red sun was pretty good uh, as well, but this is not the only survey that has come with these direct to DVD animated films. I have spoken about it on the show in the past, but I didn't have the evidence to back it up because I didn't think to screenshot it this time. I did. One of the questions in this survey that you take online when you enter the code. Below are some of the top DC comic books slash graphic novels. Using this list or referencing your own favorite titles, please list the top three titles that you would like to see developed into a DCU animated made-for-video movie. Please select all that apply. And there are only selection boxes. You cannot fill in anything else. Now, before I list off what is on this list, I do want to say one or two of the questions prior to this list gave you the option to write in your own ideas of storylines you would like to see. So I'm not going to lie here and, 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 and in order to further my point. Okay. But specifically related to this, where you can choose your own uh, options of this list they provide to you. Here are the options. World's Finest. Batman, Death in the Family, The Flash, Move Forward, Day Tripper, Aquaman the Trench, V for Vendetta, Suicide Squad, Kicked in the Teeth, Fables, Catwoman, Justice League of America, Lobo, Luthor, The Sandman, Preacher, Supergirl, and the Legion of Superheroes, Why the Last Man, Kingdom Come, Batman, Dark Victory, Superman for All Seasons, Superman, Man of Metropolis, Green Arrow, Year One, The Flash, Rebirth, Justice League, Trinity War, Infinite Crisis, Injustice, Gods Among Us, Justice League, Forever Evil, Batman, The Long Halloween, Watchmen, and Batman, Earth One. Those are your options. Now, I'm no marketing person. I didn't get a degree in it. I don't have that much experience in it. But I have some common sense and I work in the tech industry. To me, if you give me an option to write in a bunch of storylines I'd like to see, and then you give me a checklist of about 20 or so suggestions for upcoming films you would like to see and make it sort of checklist style so that it's like I can see what percentage of the people who took the poll voted for this. I think what I'm going to do rather than sit there and read through every manually entered answer in the questions proceeding, I'm going to look at this one question here 
look at the 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 properties that have the most percentage votes and base part of my decision on what we produce as an animated feature next on the things that get the highest percentage. Note, Green Lantern isn't in here. Instead, we get things like Why the Last Man, Lobo, Lex Luthor, Supergirl and the Legion, Catwoman, and Green Arrow. I heard North the early years just almost <laughs> just was the last cut on that checklist chat. <laughs> now, I'm only mentioning this as an afterthought because, again, in the effort of being 100% transparent and providing facts, I cannot prove this. But I will say that I have taken these surveys before. When I took this survey a while back, one of the options in there, I am about 87, 90% sure, was Batman Hush. And now we have a Batman Hush animated movie. Big surprise. So that's neither here nor there. I can't prove that. So you can do with that what you will. But I have a screenshot of this survey, and I am able to prove definitively that the options I just read to you are the only options they presented to you. So that leads me to believe that, at least in terms of the DCAU, outside of, of course, the Arrowverse, in terms of uh, Silver Screen, seems like there's no interest in, in, in Green Lantern. And God, how long has it been since we've heard any news about the actual film? In terms of TV, seems like there's really no interest in actually pulling the trigger on Green Lantern. Even in terms of the animated stuff, it seems like there's no interest. Oh. The, hush, the, the, the dark silence that followed. It's so depressing. You have more evidence, Myron, to throw out, to, to throw that last shovel of dirt before we move on. To try to shine some light no, in, in more ways than one. <laughs> well, you know, it's just just to, to add to Chad's evidence, which is great evidence. Uh, you know, how many times have we heard people say to the Jim Kriegs and, 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 and the people that work on the DC movies, how much they want to see a Sinestro Corps movie, and that's not even included. And you hear it on Twitter all the time. It just 100%. Crazy. But uh, j- just to, to add more salt to the wound, <laughs> let's let's look at DC, DC Universe, which uh, th- this is perhaps a moot point at this point because DC Universe is, for all intents and purposes, done as, as in terms of, of multimedia content. But one of the things that I loved about DC Universe when it started was the potential of the DC Daily Show. And it was such a great platform to promote all kinds of IPs, either through creator interviews, uh, book read-throughs, TV viewings, and they did some of that, but they always focused on the same stuff. If it was if it was a Brian Bendis thing, gosh, they covered that like they wouldn't believe. The, the amount of coverage they gave Batman the animated series and and all those all those kind of things, but they didn't cover Green Lantern hardly at all. Through 450 episodes, Green Lantern was rarely mentioned when they did their new books of the week. Uh, Grant Morrison, he was interviewed once when they did the launch of the of the series. Uh, they did one watch party for one episode of Green Lantern, the animated series, but never revisited it again, even though Green Lantern, the animated series, was the number one requested thing by fans prior to the, ser- the, the, the whole service being launched. Compared to the other franchises, Green Lantern was severely overlooked. I mean, there may have been a couple call-outs to Jessica Cruz because Sam Humphreys was one of the co-hosts, but even then, you didn't get a lot of Green Lantern content, even though you had one of the writers of one of the characters on the show. It just, it just seemed like all the other IPs got a lot of coverage in some way, shape or form on the show, but Green Lantern was, was horribly overlooked. Yeah. And to, to sort of, 
put that into context for the listeners, the Arrowverse and the film franchise and the animated franchise, this is all involving other companies. You have Warner Media with their hands in the pot. You have the CW. You have and so on and so forth. Uh, with the DC Daily, sure there. I'm sure. I'm sure there are other people sort of involved in that in some way, shape, or form, but not at all or even close to the extent of like the Arrowverse or the Silver Screen or the animated features and so on and so forth. DC Daily. If DC Comics had ever control of their own marketing for their own media dc daily was it and they didn't do anything with it exactly a huge missed opportunity mm-hmm. well and i think everybody everybody would agree on this on this podcast that 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 marketing is marketing is is, is paramount and getting the word of mouth out there you know i remember back when the green Lantern movie first came out and then like I think it was already released. I think it was already in theaters. And then they started releasing all these prequel comics or something like that, that had to do with, that had to tie into the movie. And I, and I remember thinking to myself at the time, wouldn't this have better served leading up to the movie? So, so people could better understand the character that's coming out on the big screen. I mean, while I'm not a fan of the movie, I also know that from your casual fan base, they want to have some kind of, I mean, movies get released all the time and, some movies are a surprise and, and some movies are just they release them and there's no lead up. But if you have a character in a franchise that you're getting ready to that you may or may not want to build upon, especially like a Green Lantern character, there should be a buildup of, of marketing, especially when you have a character like Green Lantern. You know, Superman, uh, you got to you got you got to say Superman, Batman. I mean, everybody knows who they are. You know, they've already been done before. They've already had movies that come out years before. So the fan base is already well-versed in how those characters came to fruition and, 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 and how popular they are. Now, I'm not saying Green Lantern falls in those same categories because with us, we feel like he does. But in the overall fan base, Superman and Batman kind of like stand alone in the DC world because those two characters have been around the longest with how, how much media has been around them. You know, if you go back to the George Reeves episodes, you know, the Lois and Clark, eventually Lois and Clark, you know, and then Smallville. I mean, there's been so much built upon those two franchises. But then you got Green Lantern's going to come along and you're just going to throw a movie out there. And this goes back to what I said earlier. If you're just going to throw shit on the wall and see what sticks, that movie was one of them and it didn't stick. You know, now what could have probably helped that was the marketing perspective. Get the word of mouth out there. Hey, Here's some of the the toys that are coming out. You know, here's here's these Green Lantern comics that are going to lead up into the movie and kind of help it along. But it, like I said, if I remember correctly, those those prequel comics towards the movie didn't come out until after the movie was already released. And I thought that was a rather rather odd, considering that if you're gonna if you're gonna hinge yourself on making a movie for a particular character, you may want to start involving your fan base a little bit more because the other ones are going to buy the tickets. I think if one thing's Certainly true about about the DC strategy. It's they're definitely throwing it against the wall <laughs> yeah. because yeah. What, whatever happens to gain any kind of traction, that is where they'll focus in on. So whether it's Harley Quinn, so let's make a Harley Quinn solo movie, but she's in or go. Birds of Prey, but it really isn't either. And let's do oh uh, Shazam did moderately well, so let's you know let's even though they're not really like Jim, they're not really giving a Shazam two and, and any sign of of. Uh, they didn't really fast track it, but that's, but it is, it's whatever, 
Well, you got Black Adam. Don't forget about Black Adam. Oh yes, but but Black Adam, but technically Black Black Adam has been kind of circling for a while, even before they did. You know, I think sh- even before Shazam, sure, they were still circling because The Rock has wanted to do that. But but yeah, they seem to be able to go off on any different tangent. You know, whether it's the Suicide, you know, Suicide Squad. Now the Suicide Squad, and then next will be that Suicide Squad. <laughs> <laughs> but they don't. They'll do. It's yeah. It's like whichever. Whatever movie doesn't bomb and gives makes a little bit of money for them, then that's what that's what they'll they'll focus in on. And now everybody's the same thing with Henry Cavill for you know with Superman. It's like oh, people tended to like him in the role, but they didn't necessarily like the material that he had. But now because of all the upheaval of losing all these characters and continuity going going to hell, then it's like oh well, well we're gonna bring him back. We're gonna you know we're gonna bring him back in some way, shape, or form that was not entirely clear yet. Where you know, but. Well, it's almost like crowd control. You know, let's get yes. James on board because he's done gr- uh, great things with Guardians of the Galaxy. So let's have him do Suicide Squad. Well, okay, I get that because James Gunn has notoriety because he did well with Guardians of the Galaxy. So why not pull a guy of that caliber in here to see how well he can do with Suicide Squad? Since the last one, obviously, I don't even know how well it did. I mean, I liked it. I thought it was a decent movie. But, I mean, now all of a sudden they get him on board. It's almost like, okay, so, and look what happened to Justice League. You know, Snyder left. Whedon came on board. They threw that shit at the wall. Look what happened with that. Blew up in their face. You know, and then they got all this blowback from Whedon and all this blowback with stuff that happened on set. Let alone, then you got Snyder comes along saying, guess what? I'm going to make my vision. And, you know, I hope it smacks them in the face. You know, I I really do hope that it smacks DC and Warner Brothers in the face because that'll make them look, take a good hard look at themselves and how they produce content and put it out there for fans. Because fans will tell you what they want. Fans wanted the Snyder cut. That's what we're getting. That was the fans that spoke up. That wasn't just because Warner Brothers said, let's just make it. Well, let's just give him his due. <laughs> I mean, the fans really spoke up about that movie. And I think that I think that speaks volumes to the people that are out there watching what's being done, especially with the blowback that came from Justice League with all these, you know, with with, you know, Henry Cavill's mouth and all these these quirky little things that went wrong with this movie that you never, ever saw in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. You didn't see quirky bullshit like that because they had all their stuff streamlined in such a way that they didn't have those kind of problems and those kind of issues, you know, let alone changing directors in a major movie film that you want to be your franchise. And then we're going to do all these reshoots. Oh, we got to go back to the drawing board on this. And then, okay. They put a bunch of crap together and threw it on the big screen. And sure. I liked it. I enjoyed it. I don't think it could have been what it should have been. And I'll still say that to this day, but that said, I mean, it again, it goes back to my my thing. They threw shit at the wall, and it didn't look what happened. It smeared all the way down, and now they're and now they're trying to, to, to backtrack and play all this fire control or whatnot. And it's like, okay, well, you know, sooner or later, you guys are going to learn your lesson. But it just seems like they're taking so long to to to, to put all these bandages on everything that they've done wrong. And and how many times are they going to get an opportunity before people are going to say, eh, I don't want to see that. It's been done before. What's the point? They, they screwed it up last time. I, I, I don't want to see that happen to Green Lantern. You know, I mean, obviously, it's, it's it got screwed up in 2011, and we're, and we're still talking about it to this day, which could very well be one of the one of the main reasons why we still don't have a, another movie out there because of how bad that did. 
Well, what does that say about Justice League? Look how bad it did. Now all of a sudden we got a we got a Snyder cut coming out. But it's not. I think the there. I think the only reason, and and we're gonna we'll probably segue into our part two after this. Uh, yeah, just, just yeah, we I I not to cut you off, and not to cut my own you know comment off too much, but I just you know to, for the pacing perspective, I think the only reason the two reasons we're getting the Snyder cut is because a the we the Whedon version was poorly received, right. and. HBO Max really, really, really wants content and something to draw people in to subscribe and and to to, to get something that and they don't. I mean, they from an original content perspective at the moment they really don't have much. So that's I think and they and obviously from a hype perspective they're they're getting it. If the Whedon cut had done okay, I don't think we'd be getting this. And right, if it right. wasn't for the fact that people had kept ta- they kept talking about it, even though yes, they kept talking about it based on the myth. That this there was really an assembled version of this movie, and of course, like Chad and I talked about when we talked about the Snyder Cut a few episodes ago, no matter what we're getting out of this, this ain't the version of the Snyder Cut we would have gotten if there was a movie version, because <laughs> this right. is going to be like four hours long. And 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 even though Snyder seems to dream big about all these long cuts of the movie, even if they move, if WB moved off the two hour limit, which was kind of ridiculous for Justice League, even if they were flexible and said, okay, we'll give you you know between two fifteen two and a half. You know, he was never getting a three-hour three hour cut, let alone a four-hour cut. So this version sure. is not going to really – it's only maybe in bare bones going to resemble what his what his cut, you know, what his cut would have been no matter what. And I think that it's – you know, the Snyder cut is just it's, – it's its own animal. It's taken on a life of its own at this point, and it's like – I don't know. I think it's it's easy with all this pushback to Whedon to be able to do what to do, you know, to do what they're doing now, but it's – it's and the other the, the one the thing I, I lost my train of thought briefly. The other thing that they screwed WB is the fact that they kept scheduling their movies to be the next one to come out or the next one to go into production before the previous one had even come out. So there was like no time to course correct, which I'm sure is their main reason Whedon got the um, uh, Snyder got the boot to begin with was because Man of Steel got some pushback, but pre- pretty much BVS was almost you know they knew BVS was going into production. The Justice League was just going into production when BVS actually premiered and there was a lot of pushback to that. So they got nervous, but they, you know, and part of the problem was they didn't take time to do natural spacing where it's like, okay, people didn't like this. Now we have some time to rewrite this and to do some, you know, to focus it a little differently instead of, oh my God, we're in the middle of shooting or we're just about to go into, you know, principal photography. What are we going to do? Other point. That's a good point. But all right, so now we're gonna we're gonna start segue into section two about the benefits. Phil, you get to begin the section. I do. I don't know. Myron's uh, Myron's <laughs> My, Myron's uh, awe-inspiring outline <laughs> gave him <laughs> gave him the number one pick to be to, to and, and he chose to begin with the evidence. So we feel it's fair that you you begin section two. Well, all right, I'll begin it, but Myron's going to have to get in on this because he expanded on a lot of my stuff and probably included a lot more stuff than I did on mine. So, you know, so let's just start out by the fact that there's almost too many benefits to count. I mean, a Green Lantern Lantern Corps franchise in itself, I mean, has, has, has the ability to be the most diverse characterization group that that could probably be on screen. I mean, Minus, I mean, I liken it to Guardians of the Galaxy. I mean, and I, I put that on my outline because I just, I feel 
like the Green Lantern Corps is its separate universe. Uh, it's probably connected. I would think it would be connected in some way uh, to, to big event crossovers or whatnot. But I, I feel like it's, it's, it's in its own universe. It's its own separate entity because there's so many stories you could tell on its own, but still have them tied in the, to the collective whole. Um, diversity would be the biggest one. Um, uh, the membership grouping, you know, the different the different races of, of of core members, you know, that come from various parts of the galaxy itself. Um, uh, another benefit is, you know, Hal Jordan used to be a nominal part of the Justice League grouping. You know, he used to be in the book all the time. I mean, and, and that said, so did Kyle Rayner, you know, and I'll throw his name in there. He was part of the book for a long time. And then fast forward to now where, where John Stewart uh, has been uh a main member of the book for quite some time now, uh, the Justice League animated series. You know, I mean, John Stewart was a, a prominent member in that, and that's pretty much where a lot of his, I think, a lot of his fans do come from that concept alone. Not just a comic book, but probably mainly from the animated uh, stuff. Um, uh, as far as uh, as far as other benefits, I mean, you know, you have he, he's a main, he's a main he's a main character in the DC universe. I mean, I feel like recently he's just been, we've talked about this. He's just been a forgotten character. And, and Myron and I talked on our other podcasts about, you know, the Grant Morrison, Liam Sharp run. I don't feel like it's, I feel like that whole series that's been written about Green Lantern has been on its own by itself. I don't feel like there's been an inclusion in, in, in the other stuff that's been happening in the DC universe, especially with the, 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 the metal, metalverse going on you know i mean there's not a lot of green lantern activity happening over there the uh injustice gods among us you know i mean the only green lantern references you have in there is is the black canary you, you know getting a ring i think it was a black canary if i'm not mistaken um but uh, I, I i just feel I, I think i think you're thinking about deceased oh deceased that's right black canary got that that's right um so i i feel like the Green Lantern franchise in itself right now isn't part of the collective whole of the thought processes of, of what the publishers are doing at, at DC Comics right now. Whereas and if you look back to when the Jeff Johns era was around, you know, I mean, you had all these books coming out. They were all connected in some way, you know. I mean, even if we mentioned the, the Larflees book, because I, I know I know you guys are a big fan of that. You know, I mean, the Red Lanterns, you know, I mean, uh, the New Guardians, they were still all interconnected in some way to the main collective of the DC universe. But, I mean, DC recently feels like they're doing a, a singular, the singularity issue. You know, they're focusing on Wonder Woman. They throw references in there to other the other stuff she's done, you know, and same thing what they did with Aquaman. It seems like, and with Shazam, for that matter, you know, it seems like they're focusing on the singular character issues, which I think would be a benefit to Green Lantern coming on stage now, because if you're in effect in that phase of your filmmaking to where you are doing that, well, I mean, Green Lantern would be a prominent character to do that with, because that's where your storytelling begins, not doing another Batman film where you're retelling another origin story, you know, same thing with Superman, where you're retelling another origin story. People want nuanced and people want to see new material and see, and, and I'll be honest with you, I think people want to see what hasn't been done before. Not just how many f figures you can fit on a screen at one time, like you had an end game or whatnot, but something new and something different. Take for instance, like the boys, it's a considerably different take on a comic book realm, but it does so well because it's 
doesn't do what the common trope always does. Here's a character. Here's an origin story. Let's start building on it. Well, if you're DC Comics, you know, you, 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 your one benefit is if you have these, these, these singular characters and you're going to build upon them, then you have to build them up. You can't just throw them on a screen and hope that they're going to work out. I mean, that's what, I mean, to me as a fan, that's what things like Suicide Squad are supposed to do. You put all these different characters together and hope that it, it's going to stick. Justice League doesn't work that way. Uh, to me, you have to have a buildup. And I think that's where Marvel Universe really, really did well with their, with, with, with their franchise because they had buildup. You know, they had Iron Man. They had, they had Captain America coming out. Did they know what they were doing at the time? Maybe. But I didn't think, I don't think they thought it was going to get as big as it did. It just, it took on a, a took on a, a whole persona by itself. And I think they got, they got in line where they needed to get in line because everything was building and expanding upon something that they knew was going to be huge. You know, they struck gold. Well, DC, to me, the benefit was DC tried to do that, but it backfired because they didn't do it well. And let alone they tried, they, 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 they should have followed the same example. You can't just have a, a bunch of characters and just make a justice league film and here, here's how it's going to work. And then start your spinoffs. Now, you got to have your Green Lantern character. You got to have him build it up. You got to have a, a, a singular story and and have a couple movies, and then and then work your way towards the middle. But I'll let Myron uh, jump in because I know he had a lot more other <laughs> other benefits in his massive list <laughs> than I do. <laughs> well, you know, I, I like Phil's um, his his reference to Guardians of the Galaxy because that's very much like Green Lantern, and it's also very much like the X Men. You know, because of the large cast of characters. And right, there's so right. many different ways that these characters can be packaged in different titles. I mean, during during the Jeff Johns era, we saw five different Green Lantern-centric titles being published by DC, and they they all did really well, except for Larfleys. Uh, and when Johns and Tomasi left, they really kind of mismanaged the franchise because they didn't bring in um, talent that were going to keep people excited about the characters in the series. And one by one, they dropped off. And we, and we all know, I mean... We're, the four of us, we, we've all been around comics long enough to know that, that everything is cyclical. And that cycle had reached near the end of its of its popularity. And, you know, you can't have a sine wave without having the down downward turn as well. But when we hit the downward turn, what did DC do? They kept adding more Green Lanterns to the to the universe. And so now you've kind of got a point at which you've you've clogged it with Earth-centric characters. And you can't sustain enough books to give them all a place to shine. So you create a d- divisive fan community, which isn't good. But in terms of benefits, think about how some of the best stories that you can tell are, you know, uh, let, let's look at classic Star Trek. And I know we're, we're I, I'm probably the oldest one amongst us. And I didn't watch classic Star Trek when it originally aired either. I caught it in the 70s on um, syndication. But when you look at those those stories, there were a lot of great allegories and great stories that were told that challenged the viewer and stretched their minds and addressed social issues in a way that didn't beat everybody over the head and got by the censors that were really rampant in the sixties. And if you look at comic book stories, there are so many great stories that could be told that stretch our, our, our thinking intellectually with some of the great characters that are out there that are not human. And you've got such a broad canvas to play on. It just seems like there's so many opportunities to do some really great things. If somebody just got behind it and gave it the energy that it deserved. Uh, you know, you, you look at the multi-book idea and 
each of the main Earth Lanterns have some different things to bring to the table, if indeed we're going to keep them all. And, you know, we'll get to that later on about our ideas about what we think about the franchise. But if we're going to keep them all, think about the diversity in the cast. You, you know, you've got Hal, whose family is, is partially Jewish, and you've got a strong woman in Carol Ferris, and you've got Tom Kalmaku, who could certainly get elevated in stature. And you've got John and Guy, you know, they, they kind of suffer from a lack of supporting characters, but they certainly represent different types of characters that could get elevated if, if they really get the attention of being something special versus just being the sidekick in a, a story. They, they could have a lot more. I mean, think about Kyle back in the day as well. Uh, I, I'm not a huge Kyle, Kyle Rayner fan, but he had a great supporting cast that kept people interested. I mean, people were more interested in Kyle seeing at Radu's and talking to his friends and his supporting cast than they were really in his Green Lantern adventures. It became a very character-driven series. Um, you know, and Simon and Jessica, they've got their families and friends too. There, there's such a, a rich, dynamic cast of characters you could pull from. And, and then you add to the fact that Green Lantern really represents the only ongoing connection readers have to the DC Cosmic Universe. So you've got this whole untapped potential that's out there. All of these great properties that, you know, Black Stars carried a series for a while. Omega Men carried a series for, for a while. In fact, they were introduced in the Green Lantern book. You had such a great springboard to bring all of these cosmic properties that take the focus away from Earth and give you a whole other canvas to play on if only somebody would really put the energy into it to develop the cosmic universe. It's it, the Green Lantern is a gateway to all of those franchises. Kind of like the deep space though. You know, it's like you have your, you have your DC universe, but you have your deep space options, you know? I mean, it's kind of like, like I said, with the guardians of the galaxy stuff, you know, I mean, they're, they're out there on the fringe, right? They're, they're out there in worlds that you, you don't normally hear about <laughs> as opposed to like being on earth, you hear about Mars and Jupiter and, you know, outside of our known galaxy, but you're talking about the, the deep space thing. And, you know, a lot of done, a lot is done with science fiction. Like you said, with Star Trek, look how far in deep space they went, you know, to reach worlds far beyond. Absolutely. And and you've got so much opportunity there that, you know, yeah, we like to see Green Lantern on Earth and we like to see Green Lantern as part of the Justice League, but it's hard sometimes to pull those characters back for that earth already has enough protectors there's a whole space sector we're supposed to be protecting and and we really don't spend any time doing that yeah i think i think another problem is it's just that and and i'll spend this into benefits is just that we've got the multiverse the word multi is a part of it it's an infinite universe infinite uh, amount of universes or 52 doesn't matter um of universes for you to play with. We have the speed force and we have the magic realms and we have, uh, we have a, B, C, D. Now we have a dark multiverse, which is we're seeming seemingly as infinite as the regular multiverse. And we'd still rather explore the other aspects of the DC multiverse in other universes than expand on the universe. We're already in. <laughs> Let alone a Green Lantern part of it. Exactly. And green, so, if you think about it, you know, you've got your 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 magic characters, and everybody who listens to this show knows I love my boy Ragman. Oh yeah. Rag, oh yeah. Ragman was a part of things like Shadow Pact, and 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 you know, he's appeared here and there, and in like Injustice, he appeared in uh, briefly in 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 uh, Deceased, um, but you know, things like Justice League Dark and things like that, but. Whether it's the Shadow Pact or whether it's Justice League Dark or whatever, in order to get a 
foothold into this magical side of the DCU, they knew they had to give you a focal point. And that focal point usually is Constantine or Zatanna. Or in the case of Justice League Dark, they added Wonder Woman to the mix because, let's face it, she does have magical background. So involving her sort of, in a way, made sense. Well, you have the DC Cosmic Universe. Superman is from Krypton, and the Green Lantern Corps has existed long before Superman was a glean in Jor-El's eye. Okay? This, this, this is... And, and, and I'm, not, I'm not just touting the Lantern cast here. In one of the promos for the Lantern cast, we talk about how the history of the DC universe is the history of the Green Lantern Corps. It is how the multiverse was created. It is a founding member of the JSA. It is a founding member of the Justice League. Hey, Alan Scott, the Starheart, often has huge roots in the DC magical community and so on and so forth. The Green Lantern franchise has tentacles in nearly every single aspect of the DC universe and not just cosmic. So use it, use it or lose it. And the idea that you're going to have aliens in Starfire from Tamaran or Superman from Krypton or Adam Strange from Earth, but let's also say involving Rand, Hawkman from Thanagar, and so on and so forth. You're going to have all these linchpins that point to a larger DCU and cosmic side of it, but you're not going to use your one entry point that's going to introduce you to the entire thing is ridiculous. But the Green Lantern franchise in terms of potential in terms of the benefits of it. Because look, we can talk all day about how Green Lantern is being slighted by Warner or DC, but you really have to show that this care, and that's what that's what this section is. You have to show that there's viability, that there's marketability, that there's profit to be made with the character if you just focus on him. Because I mean, hey, you can you can shit on him until the cows come home if he's not really doesn't really hold that potential for you. So let's prove it to you. Let's prove it that he has potential or the, the franchise has potential. You have diversity in terms of race. You have diversity in terms of religion. You have diversity in terms of uh, a gender. You have a diversity in terms of sexual preference. And that's just with the Earth Lanterns. Now, you can sit here all day and say we have too many Earth Lanterns, and I'm sure we'll get to that uh, when we get to the ideas section. Um, But if we're taking who we have and not calling anybody, you have all of those things in just the Earth Lanterns. Sometimes it's easier for readers to digest larger social, social and political issues if the aliens are the focus. It's a stupid example. And someone's going to laugh at me, whether it's someone on this call or someone who's listening to it after the fact. But there was an episode of Rick and Morty where Rick and Morty went to a planet. And one of the ways that they showcased, and it was a hilarious bit, one of the, one of the, one of the most often uh, quoted uh, quotes from Rick and Morty is first race war. Um, and they went to this planet where 
people had either cone nipples or like circle ones or whatever. And that was the, otherwise the, the, the species looked exactly the same. And then the race war broke out b- between them and you go, what's the difference between these people? <laughs> if you kind of think about that, if you pitch some sort of, if you want to deal with heavy stuff, if you want to deal with heavy stuff in a comic book, aliens are an often used way to do it. So you look at things like racism or sexism or uh, or, 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 or being uh, homophobic or whatever, and you look at these things being portrayed in aliens and you go, why are you guys fighting about this? You're all the same people. Like that sort of a thing. It's sometimes easier for a reader to digest when you're dealing with alien characters. And guess what? There are 3,600 sectors with two alien lanterns, a sector, save for 2814. And oftentimes, those aliens are not from the same planet. If you want if you want an example, Mogo and Buzd were the same sector. The tiniest Green Lantern and the biggest, well, not the tiniest, there's a microscopic Green Lantern and a math formula Green Lantern, but you get the idea. So there is, there is potential galore in almost any type of story you want to tell, whether it's heavy handed, whether it's kiddie like adventures, it does not matter. It could be overarching. It could be just injecting him into regular books does not matter. We're talking comics, we're talking TV, we're talking movies, we're talking animated. The potential exists to have this character showcase what you want him to showcase. He can be, he, the franchise can be a vehicle by which you tell your story in nearly every single aspect that you could possibly tell a story. And if DC can have a top selling book in Green Lantern without promoting it. Imagine what they could do if they really put some energy into it. hundred percent. And we're t- and if you think about from the from the movie perspective or the or the, it's kind of funny that the focus we talked about Star Trek, but you have to go back to when Jeff back when the original 2011 movie was being pushed and everything. Jeff Johns, how he you know he was was pushing and t- talking up Green Lantern. What did he refer it to? He basically said this could be like the DC universe of Star Wars. That's how we. That's how we. Because of because of the stories and because of what could be what the characters and the stories that could be told and how epic they could be. Because obviously, if the movies had turned out differently, we were, we would have headed towards the Sinestro Core War and Blackest Night and all these things. But the cosmic thing, the cosmic connection there, that this that basically that it would open the door. Green Lantern could open the door to go anywhere in the D, in the DCU, and that that's where the you know. The, the stories that could be told with Green Lantern, it's just, it's so potentially, potentially anyway, it's unlimited because of the number of Green Lanterns we have and where they're from and everything else. So yeah, it seems like it's an, it, it really seems it's, it's pretty, pretty pathetic in a way that they've just completely ignored this property for so long. And we keep hearing about, yeah, we know that there's a show that they're working on and that's great Green Lantern core movie that Jeff Johns was supposed to have the script done for before the beginning of this year. But then again, originally it was supposed to be released this year <laughs> in 2020. It's just, I don't know. I think it's, there, there are so many benefits. It's just, it's, it's the appeal. And it's, I get why Wonder we talk about this too. We have in the past, why, you know, Wonder Woman is part of the Trinity. Wonder Woman is known universally. And she's also part of the Trinity because she's a woman. She is, 
but the but the Green Lantern stories and the, and how and how the Green Lantern stories have affected the DCU and can affect the DCU are so much bigger and have such more of an impact than almost anything that's ever been told with Wonder Woman as a character. It's just well, and not only that, Wonder Woman takes on that <clears throat> that strong feminist role, you know, and and everybody out there knows in the media that you know they they need a female driven movies that that they sell. Look over to Marvel; they don't have any. You know, they have, I mean, all the Marvel Cinematic Universe, they don't have a female driven movie. And that's one thing that's lacked. And that's one thing that I think they got a lot of criticism for. Well, and, Captain Marvel, Captain Marvel. But I mean, that came out in response to all that. Mm-hmm. The, uh, Wonder Woman one part. But Wonder Woman, you know, she it, it, it's, just, it's, just, it's a strong female driven movie, let alone directed by a female. You know, True. I think that gave it a lot of clout. Because that's what I think. I think if if I if I say this correctly, Warner Brothers tends to play the diverse card more than I think what what Marvel does over on their side. You know, and you know that being said, Wonder Woman was popular well before Miss Captain Marvel. You know? Oh yes, yeah. so as a character, there's no doubt who's relevant. Right. I mean, but right. Right. but in a way, that's from Marvel's from, from Marvel's perspective, that's where they would pat themselves in the back. It's like, hey, we took a character that a lot of people don't know jack about, and look how much money we made. Um, that's true so, too. But yeah. and black and we know and Black Widow should have come out earlier. I mean, it's kind of I don't mean earlier just this year, but Black Widow should have been a project they should have they yeah. probably should have delved into sure previously. But it's but as far as you know, just the stories that could could be told. I mean. I mean, even even Batman stories, as interesting as they can be, they're still a hell of a lot more grounded in it than such a smaller part of the DCU than well, the Green Lantern. Back. And ba- and Superman and Green Lantern. I mean, Superman obviously has that potential, too, because he obviously could leave Earth pretty much any time he wants as well. So, Well, this goes back to what Chad said. I mean, Green Lantern has his tentacles in just about every known universe or otherworldly concepts that DC has, but yet... <laughs> On the flip side of that, Batman has been included in every single universe or otherworldly concepts that they have. You know, how does that make any sense? You know, you use a character that from from Earth and he's injected in just about every storyline that ever comes out and comes along. But yet you don't have the the opposite side of that, which is more which is more paramount, a Green Lantern universe, a Green Lantern characterization, a Green Lantern core that protects 3600 sectors of the known galaxy if you want to call it that yet and they're in and they're in every little nook and cranny that's been around since existence so and that's and that's the key because mark mark said earlier you can insert green lantern really anywhere but you can also insert green lantern any when yeah yeah. They, they they if you're going with the comics life originated on earth but one of the first creatures to evolve to a super intelligent sort of sentience are the Malthusians. So in, in, you know, with the massacre of sector six, six, six and things like that, the green lantern core is older than any of the heroes on earth. So any character you hell, I wouldn't like, I, I, severely doubt it as much as I want to see Alan and the other members of the JSA who haven't been announced appear in the black Adam movie. Would it really shock anybody in terms of DC comics fans who are familiar with DC continuity to see a green lantern in any way, shape or form in any DC property movie, regardless of what time period it's in. No, 
if we see an old it, Krypton, the, the 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 TV series Krypton uh, from Sci-Fi, it was interesting in its own way. I have both seasons on Blu-ray. It wasn't the best show, but it definitely had some high points. And it was a story about Superman's grandfather. The idea that we didn't see Green Lantern in that made no sense. No, you're right. You're totally, totally right. I was thinking the same thing. It made absolutely no sense. Now, they took a sort of xenophobic approach to it because, you know, the whole the whole the whole idea of uh, of him going to the council and saying, hey, Brainiac is coming and they don't want to say that there's anything out there, that sort of a thing, or they're not going to interact with other. They almost took a Daxamite sort of approach to things. I, I get it. But then you have characters like you have you have Brainiac, you have Lobo. Your 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 one of your main characters is Adam Strange, who's right. an Earthling, and who whose technology comes from Ran. Uh, just this, th- there have been there, there's just so much potential. Not in only in anywhere you could you could you could insert Green Lantern in a magical aspect if you include Alan Scott. You could. You could uh, insert him in a magical aspect if you choose. Like, uh, what was his name? Ash. Ash. Let's let's throw Ash in there. Or uh, you could talk, touch upon life and death with Drick. I mean, there, there's just there, there's there's so much potential in telling almost any story you can possibly think of from any moment in the entire history of the DC universe in nearly every possible version of the dc universe across the multiverse you have the potential for involving green lantern in a good way i'm not saying we should always have green lantern in everything as a green lantern fan of course i wish we did but it doesn't always make sense so some people don't care about the character some people are going to see him it it doesn't matter just the same way every everybody's has a different favorite character Everybody has a different hated character. And there are just, frankly, people out there who aren't going to want to read something involving Green Lantern. So he doesn't need to be involved in everything. Or but he be a main character, even. You know, yeah. he, like you said, just a mention or, you know, just a, a, an appearance here and there. You know, you know, like the Arrowverse did with, with his jacket hanging on the bar or whatever the case may be. Sure, you can have stuff like that, but also have uh, a, a figure to put, put the name of the face, you know, a, a, a fleeting character that comes by, a reference. Hey, the Green Lanterns are known to patrol this universe, you know. Anything could work as a buildup towards towards having stuff in continuity. Well, one of my what just as a this is a perfect example and 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 Mark, I, I hate to step on your toes, but it could it could work as a as a segue into the next section. But one of my favorite examples in DC comics of involving Green Lanterns was one of my favorite Superman series. And it came out around the same time as Jeff Johns' run on Green Lantern, or did rather. And that was a series called Superman New Krypton. In that story, for those of you who are not aware, the bottle city of Kandor is resized on Earth, up at the Arctic where Superman's Fortress of Solitude is. This causes problems on Earth, politically, criminally, so on and so forth, because suddenly Earth is populated by thousands of people with the power of Superman. Their solution to this is to eject the city of Kandor off of the planet Earth and grow 
a whole new planet around the city or, or out of the city. They placed this planet in the same orbit as Earth in our solar system, but on the opposite side of the sun. So we're in your we're in your solar system, but we're not on your planet. We're not going over there. Maybe we'll have a relationship, maybe we're not. But suddenly now there is an entire planet of superpowered beings in a sector of space. It makes perfect sense that the Green Lanterns or the Guardians would be inclined to go investigate what the hell is happening over in Sector 2814 because an entire planet of, ex- of an extinct species just showed up in a, in a sector. And boy, can they cause a whole lot of freaking problems. Let's go see what's going on. Right. And they had an entire issue dedicated to just that in the new Krypton series. Whether you like the new Krypton series or not, that's neither here nor there. But that was a perfect way to include Green Lantern and not have him in the entire series. But guess what? I think it took place around issue three or four of the new Krypton series. And I'm pretty sure new Krypton went for at least 12. I'm thinking closer to like 16 or 18 issues. That's just a perfect example. But yeah. Myron thoughts. Well, I agree. I mean, when you were talking about the Krypton TV show, it just dawned on me is, boy, would it have been a great spot for Tomar Ray to show up? Mm-hmm. I got this. <laughs> Don't worry right, about right. it. You're in good hands. <laughs> <laughs> you could have had a great role in the finale for the season, right? You know, you could I picked the, a, I picked the wrong finale. week to go on vacation. <laughs> uh, so from from a benefits perspective, is there anything else we need to we want to add, or should we roll into the end of the trilogy? I think we cover all the benefits. All right, Chad, you're up. All right, so I've got some ideas here, and uh, I, you know, I, I'll, I'll, uh, you know, I'll, I'll list it all off, and, and then we'll kind of go from there. Uh, some of this stuff is looking at the document because, by the way, guys, in terms of prep, we have an entire Google Doc that we all collaborated on to make sure that we we stuck to the plan. Um, everybody did a fantastic job. So yes, all three of you did. Um. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 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 so one of the ones that I think is kind of uh, cross all of our ideas that we listed is a calling of the line. Uh, stop introducing more and more lanterns only to not give them any stage time. <laughs> it'd, be, it'd be one thing if we kept introducing lanterns and gave them their due diligence. But as much as I don't want to lose any lanterns, especially the ones that have been around for decades, like the original four, maybe it needs to happen. We have talked again and again on the Lantern cast, and I'm sure a kid, little Simon over in Phil's hands over there. Oh. <laughs> but Simon, for better or worse, really, I think, should go. And I think most everybody on this call would agree. But look, being, being in this podcasting game and focused on Green Lantern, I think every single one of us have seen a, a, a quite a few Simon fans. I'm not saying that there's more than Jessica fans or more than Kyle or, or whatever, but the fact that he is a Muslim and what he represents to a lot of people, some people also like his characterization or his outfit. It doesn't really matter. There are Simon his gun. <laughs> there, there, there are Simon fans out there. Nobody wants to intentionally call someone's favorite character just because they're a favorite character. But looking at it from an objective viewpoint, they have told us that Simon is special. 
And I come back to this point all the time. They have told us Simon is special in two ways. They've shown us that he can heal with his ring and that he can predict the future with his ring. They have never showed us how or why Simon himself is capable of this. So you have told us he matters. You haven't proven that he matters. You haven't given us the story that he matters. And in fact, when you gave Simon his quote unquote own series in tangent with in cooperation with Jessica, the two of them together, getting lots of focus and almost splitting equal screen time, you made Simon a dick to lift Jessica up. I get it. She is a Latina character. She's a woman. And there was some diversity that needed to include it. Now, I'm not saying in any way, shape, or form that you said Jessica was better simply because of her race and her gender. What I am saying, though, is they saw potential in Jessica and decided to elevate her by way of making Simon seem like a dick. You could have elevated Jessica in a whole lot of other ways without sacrificing the characterization of another character. But they chose to do what they did. And I think it hurt the character of Simon Bass, who is not currently in any titles whatsoever. I think it might be time for Simon to go. I don't think, I, I don't believe that it's time for Jessica to go. I think we've all seen the sheer amount of potential she has and popularity she has, not just in Lantern titles or in things like Justice League Odyssey or uh, whatever, but also in things like the DC Superhero Girls show, mm-hmm. the animated show. Um her uh, DC multiverse figure after market right now is going for about $90 because it's hard to find. And a lot of people, there's a high demand for it. So Jessica clearly has the marketability and the passionate fans and people who are interested in her. I think she has to stay. Kyle, this one, I, 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 I'm probably being biased on, uh, but I think he should stay, but that's just me. I don't really have a hundred percent, rock solid reason for keeping him uh but uh that's just me i don't think you can get rid of Hal. i don't think you can ever do that i don't think you can get rid of john uh for the simple fact that when the green lantern movie came out a lot of people went wait isn't green lantern supposed to be black because john is a who a lot of people think of these days when they think of green lantern and sim and regardless he could be the best characterized out of them all what matters is recognition so the fact that a lot of people recognize John as Green Lantern, you cannot get rid of that marketing uh, chip. Th- though you think, think over, oh, as you you would think though, as time goes by, if they don't, and by all accounts, if we ever get the Green Lantern core movie, John Stewart is supposed to be a part of it. But if they didn't do that for this, let's say for the sake of argument, that now we're talking a significant amount of time since that Justice League Unlimited <laughs> and cartoon. And all that. I mean, as you move further, as you move further away from that, then I don't necessarily know that's as much of a as much of a albatross or an anchor of, of that you that even if you that gets becomes a detriment or has been a detriment to which to from a perception perspective. I think you might be able to move around move around it. Especially it would have helped if obviously if the animated show had, had stayed on the air for a few more years, the new one, the Green Lantern one, because then you would have had Hal and, and he would have been the main focus. So I, I agree. I essentially I agree with most of most of that point. But I think as, as we as time goes by, then I think that's then you get like a whole different generation of fans who either have no ties to any Green Lantern or they certainly aren't as tied. To, they're t- not tied to John more than anybody else. I think um, you're. Re- I think you're. Hold on. I think your reasoning pivots, though. I mean, if you if you take that, it, with all due respect, if you take that into account with this generational past that 
remembers John Stewart from the, the animated stuff, what you overlook is the fact of having a, a predominantly African-American main character being your, your focal point of a movie going forward, especially if you're going to have to, if, especially if you're going to play the diversity card when it comes to your film and your media. That'd be the only thing I'd say about that. Right. You know, well, and if you look at the Panther, right. Right. But if you look at the entirety of all of the different multimedia presentations of Green Lantern, right. that short stint of Jon Stewart in the Justice League cartoon gets overshadowed. One, well, it's only one small part. You know, yeah. People are hyping about it because there's so many people on Twitter of that age group. So is that is that a false positive? You know what I mean? Sure, sure. Whereas if you look at if you took the entirety of all of it, you've got Hal from Formation, you've got Super Friends, you've got all the different video games where he's been the main character, you've got the cartoon, and despite the movies failing, how many millions of people saw Hal in all the trailers? So, you know, you've got that piece of it, and you've got Jessica in, in the Superhero Girls. I'm not sure if I agree so much that she's as popular as people think she is, um, but... You know, whatever. Uh, I, I think a cloning of the herd def- does have to happen. I mean, we, we haven't even talked about Joel Mullane and uh, whatever Teen Lantern is. We've, we've got all these superfluous characters that we can't support. And I'd rather have them support a few characters and surround them with some really strong alien characters than have a preponderance of Earth characters to deal with. You know, it seems like DC's got this thing of, well, we need a character that fits this demographic, throw a power ring at them or get them super strong. And and we get to the point where we drowned out all of those great alien characters. I would much rather have read Far Sector if it had Arishia or Ayalande or Sornik Natu or pick, pick any strong female character if it needed to be a female character. There's already a plethora of them in the Green Lantern universe. We didn't need to create another one. And it doesn't even have to be a female. It could be. It could be any kind of gender. Well, well right. You know, I, I I really struggle with this. I need a character that looks just like me syndrome. Yeah. Because when you look at let's again use Star Trek. What was the most popular character on Star Trek? Spock, the alien. We nobody looks like him. What about uh, the Star Trek: The Next Generation? Data, the robot. Well, none of us are robots. It, it's about the heart of the character. But we te- we, we we as a society keep hinging the. The, it needs to represent this demographic or the, or this this gender or or this nationality or whatever, and and we we kind of water down the concept, and, and that's part and that's of the problem. True. Yeah, that's a good point. Um, so I, another lantern we haven't talked about, uh, Guy Gardner. Look, I I I think uh, I think the aversion to Guy Gardner in terms of his wahaha era of being just a douche in a bowl cut uh, is. You know, if if the era of the JLU animated series is long since past, then the era of Guy Gardner being a douchebag in a bowl cut from the Wahaha era of Justice League is even further uh, away from us. So I think Guy Gardner can live beyond that. He's become a douche with a heart of gold. He's become the brawler. He's become... Um, He's the Rocky Balboa of the Green Lantern. No, he's, so, so I'm, I'm, so I'm, I'm, I'm re, we talked about this in a previous episode of Lantern Cast. I'm rewatching Supernatural right now, and for those of you who have seen Supernatural, Guy Gardner is the dean, the dean Winchester, of the Green Lantern Corps. He's the dude that's going to fight tooth and nail for the things he loves, and damn the consequences, damn the rules, and he treats his other lanterns even Hal, who he purports to hate sometimes like brothers and it's hard you're not you're not wrong about that yeah. i think so I think but a huge heart as much as i see the potential 
And Guy, maybe Guy is one of the ones that needs to go because we don't hear a lot from him anymore. And let's face it, we can get some of that characterization in any of the other characters, including the girls. So it doesn't really matter. I, I, I think Guy gets short shrift, but that's neither here nor there. That's just a personal opinion. Now, other suggestions for improvement. Marketing needs to step up. So between the DC Universe app, which is soon to be updated, as Myron had mentioned, the HBO Max partnership, DC Film, publishing the comics, etc., DC has multiple facets that they can use for free and or for a cheaper rate or reduce price marketing. Because I don't know a whole lot about that industry, but I know that if you own the company you're marketing through, you're not going to spend quite as much, if anything. They're just not doing it. DC Comics interior ads have stepped up. We've talked about this on recent episodes of the Lantern Cast, and more and more DC-related content is being advertised. But note the ads. They're not for the comics. They're for DC film and TV and et cetera. Typically, not other comics. We talked about some of those ads in recent uh, issues of the Morrison run. Some of those ads included things like for the Audible Sandman or the release from the DC Warner vault of the Blu-ray version of the uh, animated Legion of Superheroes cartoon. Or in the case of uh, the Far Sector book, you had uh, an ad for N.K. Jemisin's uh, prose novels. Or there are things like uh, the uh, DC Universe app or the content that is on it or the fact that the uh, Snyder Cut is coming soon or that DC Fandom was coming soon. It is very rare anymore that you see ads within the DC Comics hard copies you buy yourself for ads for other DC Comics. That's a really good insight. Not only that, when has any of us... And I, I know they exist because I've seen them once or twice. But when have any of us seen ads on TV, film, or any even any of the re- Blu-ray releases of said film or TV for the comics? Probably not it since may- the launch of Do 52. Yeah. It doesn't really make sense, I get it, to advertise the comics when you are live airing the show or, given how much it costs, advertise the comics prior to a film screening in a theater. But if you're going to release your property to take home on Blu-ray or DVD, that content, including extra features, bonus features, and after the credit scenes, you can do almost anything you want with that. So why don't we have ads for the comics? You make more damn sense than WB marketing does. (laughs) 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 But... Just, you know, DC overall needs to get better at marketing in general. And, and a good example is, and I, the, the tweet is no longer available because Van Jensen is taking a break from Twitter. So I don't have the evidence to support this, uh, but we've talked about this before on the show. Van Jensen tweeted a story a while back about attending a meeting with DC Comics. And in that meeting, the head of marketing asked for suggestions One of the suggestions made was to advertise and put their products in the Scholastic Book Fair. The response from the head of DC Marketing at the time was, what's that? (laughs) So ridiculous. Now, maybe he was homeschooled. in, in in (laughs) in, in, In the interest of fairness, I have looked it up, and DC has properties like the Secret Hero Society and backstories in scholastic 
But there, if you look up the the DC Scholastic properties like Secret Hero Society and Backstories, still no Green Lantern. Now, the last suggestion I have personally, and then I'll, I'll pitch to, to Myron and Phil because they have other things as well, or expand on some of the stuff I've other mentioned. This is going to sound like pandering, but podcasts. <laughs> uh, the, the Lantern cast has been on the air for 12 years this November. 12 years. Nowadays, everyone and their mother has a podcast. It is clearly a format that's not going anywhere anytime soon. And for the most part, it's freely produced and freely distributed by people who just feel passionate enough to talk about whatever the topic is that they're discussing. Now, regardless of the potential negative reviews on your content in advanced reviews and partnerships, what's one of the most famous quotes? Quote, unquote, there is no such thing as bad press. They need to start reaching out on their own volition to fans like us who are producing the content for free. Fans are your most viable and willing marketing out there. Use us. I already talked about that a lot. Stop making us come to you. Mark and I have interviews coming up with creators very soon with whom we had to reach out through DC Comics to approve said interview. That's totally fine. DC, and any time we have worked as the Lantern cast directly with DC, has been amicable, has been kind, has made sure that they stick to their strictures as as the PR team because any company has to have their own set of rules and things. I 100% get it. But they have always been kind when we are directly involved with them. But we have to reach out to them. Now, there have been times where they have reached out to us in sort of a mass blast, not specifically to us, but in a sort of mass blast email like, hey, you are Green Lantern related. We have X Green Lantern thing coming out. But what was really strange, and uh, forgive me, you know, nobody keeps these random emails, so I don't have it. But it wasn't like an issue one or the finale to an issue or the finale to a story arc that they reached out to us about. It was a random issue that they wanted us to spotlight and and interview people on, which is it's fine. If, if they have an idea or a marketing ploy they want to do, that's, that's one thing. But it was... It was one, not consistent. They don't reach out to us before every issue or every first issue or whatever. It's just this random blast. And and Myron, being a charge of not just the podcast of OA alongside Phil now, but also with even before the podcast of OA even existed, having the blog of OA, he has a sort of different take on this because Lanterncast is just a podcast. In terms of the other content that you have put out there over the years, Myron, can you elaborate or, or confirm any of what I'm saying in terms of working with DC? Hey, wait, can, before well, not before Myron takes the and rolls with this, were you being out of, out of curiosity? Were you being vague on purpose, Chad, about not going into details about, about what that was about, or do you just not remember what it was about? <laughs> uh, in terms of when they reached out to us, yes. Uh, I'm pretty sure it was like a random issue of Venditti's run. It was in the, in the final arc of Venditti. And we yeah. show, we had the uh, I forget but not, which, but, but not the finale. No, it, it, it was it was like two or three issues before. Yes, yeah, and they yeah. they off they came to us and they and they off and they offered him up and it's like well no at this point we, we want to we're going to interview him we want to wait to the the, the the we do it for issue fifty or whatever so then we can talk about the entire 
the entire run. So yeah. right. Yeah. Okay. That I, I was just curious. I just because I wasn't I wasn't sure if you were purposely trying to be diplomatic or you just legitimately couldn't. I, it was it was just a my thing. I apologize. Go ahead, Myron. <laughs> <laughs> um, it, it, it's true. Um, it's strange. Sometimes they have reached out in the past for certain things that are just odd. You know, like I remember when the movie came out, I got reached out from Six Flags wanting to be to help promote the roller coaster of all things. Uh, Subway contacted me because they they were doing some Green Lantern promotion and they wanted me to do something with them. <clears throat> um, I remember, you know, you remember doing Convergence. DC sent me the preview pages. Now, when's the last time a small website like mine has gotten preview pages, you know, the, the exclusive preview of an upcoming issue? It was it was those books, which really didn't have a whole lot of weight to them. But yet, you know, these other sites that are not Greenland specific get them all the time now. But yeah, it's this odd stuff here and there. Um, Dan, they, they did that with Dan Jurgens with me. They reached out to me. But part of the problem I, I run into, and, and you you mentioned it really well, Chad, is is we're we're out here reviewing this stuff and we're paying for it out of our own pocket because of passion and love for these characters. And we end up buying the books we review yet. Some of these other sites that really could give a rats behind about green lantern, get this stuff sent to them a week in advance. So they have time to prep a review and launch it the day the book comes out. And it's, it's irritating to be put in that position of I'm doing this out of, out of love and uh, my own thing, but I'm buying books twice. I'm buying them digitally so I can grab the artwork for a review and I'm buying the floppy copy for my, my own collection. Why can't I get stuff from DC sent to me in, in that manner? Or when you want to contact someone to do an interview for your show or for, for a print or what have you, you don't even know who to contact because it isn't like they've got a list of people that you can contact to, to get to get things. I don't know how your interviews have always worked, but I've always worked with, I'll reach out for, let's use Robert Venditti as an example. I reached out and wanted to interview Robert Venditti. And then he gave me the name of the person to contact to DC. So the, the creative talent had to be the immediate intermediary, which is silly. Yep. Yep. That's how, that's how it's works. So a lot of times, the only times you're going to get an interview with somebody who, <clears throat> who's not going to route you through DC is if they no longer, if, if it's a, if it's a past project. Right. Right. Yeah, because then they're in charge of their own destiny or there's enough time between the interview and the project that it doesn't matter, that sort of a thing. Uh, but if you want to talk about current things, and, and you mentioned Robert Venditti, and, I, and I'm just going to throw it kind of back to something DC is doing wrong. Did you notice that there's been almost more cosmic world building in Robert Venditti's Hawkman series than there's been in the Green Lantern <laughs> right. stuff? Right. I'm just, just, I, I forgot. I was going to mention that earlier, but whatever. Uh, just, that's just a random blip in the pan. But anyways, yeah. Um, Twitter is a fantastic resource uh, for interviews. Uh, but yeah, you're right. If you want to talk about a current project, you have to contact the creator who then tells you who at DC you need to email for approval. And it's just, it's always somebody different. <laughs> It is, and especially with the calling over at DC recently, uh, it's gotten even harder to tell who's who. Well, um, and, and sometimes it, it's like third-party companies. Mm-hmm, 100%, 100%. Yep. And um, look, uh, I can speak selfishly here, but why is it like Tweeterhead sending us that Green Lantern statue for review? Right, right, oh, exactly, exactly. Like, I mean, you can't take companies all the time, and you don't get a response or, the, or promises that they don't deliver on. And, 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 and speaking of that, I, I and I made a post over on on your on your group uh, that you guys have over on Facebook about you know sort of touching on this is when 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 uh, 
I have when I tell people that I have a pod that that, that I am involved with a podcast that has been on that, about Green Lantern. I used to just be able to tell people I'm a co-host on a podcast with, about Green Lantern. Now, if I were to pitch the idea for an interview or the idea to review a a piece of merchandise or whatever, not only do I say, hi, my name is Chad Bokelman. I'm one of two co-hosts over on the LanternCast, blah, blah, blah. I have to also include, I feel I am obligated to include as a way to better our chances of getting approval for said interview or review copy or or whatever, whatever the case may be. I have to also include... We've been on the air for 12 years mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yep. <laughs> because again, everybody and their mother has a podcast. So saying I've got a podcast isn't enough anymore. No, no. Uh, but that's that, that I'm, I'm sort of taking us off track it, in a way. It makes sense in terms of suggestions for improvement, reach out to podcasts and reach out to the fans who are intentionally creating content, talking about your content. We're, we're free marketing. Yeah, we're 100%. And all it costs you is review copies you're already sending to everybody else. Exactly. Exactly. Well, you know, I've I've done a couple I've been fortunate to do a couple of things with some of the game companies for like, you know, so the 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 Cryptozoic when they did the Green Lantern uh card game, Rivals. And you basically have to sell yourself. You have to you know, I got to contact them and say, "Well, you know, I've been doing this for this long. Uh, I've worked with these companies in the past because this is the only way you get any kind of credibility." Mhm. And I, at, for the record, folks listening out there, I contacted Cryptozoic and got a no. Odd. So I, I'm just, and that's not, look, I adore the DC deck building game. I have every version. I have the DC multiverse box so that I can put every version in the box and have it. I've got them all. I love it. I'm not disparaging Cryptozoic. Maybe Myron and myself pitched each pitched our content in different ways. His was just frankly better. I didn't see his email. I don't know. But when Myron came out with his review copy, and not only reviewing, but also was given a copy to give away. Am I right, or did you buy that? No, I, I asked them. I said I'd like to I'd like to have an advanced copy to, for a review, and I'd like to have a copy or two to give away as prizes. Okay, exactly. And not only did they give him the content to review, they acquiesced and gave him prizes as well. We just got the flat out no. That's fine. It's their prerogative to do that. And that's Cryptozoic. That's not DC. So, I mean, but these are just examples that we're including here. Now, again, the other suggestions I have with marketing within your own material, TV, film, comics, etc., calling the line, things like that, those are all just as important. But I think as podcasters, we get super passionate about this particular idea. So feel feel free, guys, just, you know, piling on in terms of suggestions for improvement. Well, on a side note, uh, to touch on your Scholastic Book Club, I got on their website and just did a general search for superhero stuff. Wonder Woman had two titles on there. They didn't have anything about Superman, nothing about Green Lantern, nothing about Batman, thankfully. And I even did Marvel searches and they had nothing about any of those characters either. Did you search uh, Secret Hero Society or Backstories? I did not. I did not do that one. Secret Hero Society. Hmm. Oh, that. No, there's nothing on here. Oh, Black Panther: Battle for Wakanda. Yeah, uh, yeah. There's, there's. Uh, I, I saw some advertised when I did a search for DC Scholastic on Google. Uh, admittedly, these were from maybe a year or two ago when I did the search or, or when I saw the search results. But yeah, uh, they were specifically called. DC Secret Hero Society and then backstories. So, uh, but yeah, uh, uh, so guys, we, we, 
in terms of this episode, we, we, we told you why they're giving short trip to this franchise. We told you why this franchise can make money and we don't just want to bitch. We want to give sincere, honest suggestions on how to make it better. We're not just going to scream into the void and say, you're screwing up and then leave it at that. So, well, and look at the benefit it does for, for having uh, the two main podcasts that talk about a particular superhero, Green Lantern. I mean, I don't even know. I don't even look for podcasts anymore because, like you said, there's so many out there. And being a part of one with Myron in the short time that I have been since he's been around, you know, I don't even know if there's any other Green Lantern podcasts that are out there besides Emerald, uh, the Emerald Echo, uh, the, the guy we had on a while back, Myron. I mean, I know he does some Green Lantern content or whatnot. But other than that, you know, that's that's an easy streamline into your into your marketing technique, especially if you're going to introduce a certain character. Now, I don't know if there's how many Wonder Woman podcasts are out there. There, I'm sure there's a ton of Superman podcasts. I'm sure there's a crap ton of Batman podcasts. And you know, there's probably a Simon Baz podcast out there. <laughs> that would be that would be Dan. That would be Dan Kurtzky if there is one. <laughs> But I mean, it's, 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 it's like you said, it's, it's, it's an easy marketing perspective, you know, because everything is all media related now. So to get your word of mouth out there, what's the first thing you do? You get on the, you get on the effing internet, man. I mean, that's what the people go now. They don't go to their local broadcasting and say, Hey, channel four, I want to put this on your, your, your commercials. And it, nobody watches television like that anymore. It's very rare. Usually people go to the internet for source of information. And if it's not internet, it's streaming content. So, of course, you're not going to sit here and say, oh, the podcast of OA ad on Netflix. I mean, sure, I get that. But, I mean, the small stuff? What about DC Universe? If they're going to start streamlining everything into DC Infinity, why not start including pertinent podcasts on there that have to do with the content that's being promoted? You know, it's, it's, it's easy. I'm sure Myron would be more than happy to say, yes, of course, put my podcast on there. I'd love to have it up, pop up on DC Infinity and you guys included. But will they No. You you know, speaking of, and and I I didn't include it in my list, but I did hear about this online. Uh, When DC Fandom was happening, it didn't appear anywhere on the DC Universe app. No, it did not. It was not there. The, The app, the platform you pay for for dc stuff wasn't streaming fando that that makes little to no sense at all yeah and, and just to add a little bit to that they they already know that we exist because they have reached out to us in the past if you go to dc comics website and you click on the fans thing at the top they have you know you click on podcasts and they have some podcasts listed neither of our shows are listed um if you go to news and blogs uh the blog the blog of oa is listed but they, they have all of these sites that they're they're kind of pseudo promoting. But why not do more? You know, they could have going back to DC Daily, they could have spotlighted a, a website or they could have spotlighted a, a podcast. They had people that did a podcast for uh, Young Justice on talking about the Young Justice shows when they did a watch party of the Green Lantern stuff. Why didn't they have one of us on? One hundred percent. No one loves us, unfortunately. <laughs> It's misery loves company, which is why all of us are here today. <laughs> right, right. But if, you know, if you look at podcasts as an example, there, there's there's your show, which has been around the longest. There's my show, which uh, 10 years next year. Um, and there's one other show that's out there that does an episode every couple of years. Um, but that's really the only 
your show and our show is really the only consistent, ongoing, regularly scheduled, has a regular presence out there, really. And yet we get nothing. Go ahead, Mark. Start start saying it. We're not love. <laughs> it's sad but true, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> let, let me let me let me let me grab this professional mic and and bring it closer to my mouth. Nobody knows. <laughs> no, no the <laughs> <laughs> nice going, Chad. Now you've depressed all of us. Thank you. <laughs> uh, you have more stuff, right? On this. On the idea topic, right, Myron? Well, well um, you know, a lot of it goes back to what Chad was talking about, is, is cloning the herd. You know, if we're going to have this many Earthlanders, they either have to be marketed and used better, so the fan community isn't as divided as it is, or we need to, um, as my father would say, crap or get off the pot and reduce the number of Green Lanterns, and there's your character. I, I think one of the problems that the Green Lantern and, and the Flash suffer from is, is there are so many speedsters that, that, you know, is the Flash even the fastest man alive anymore? I don't think so. <laughs> um, you know, one of the big draws to Green Lantern was that, you know, it was odd to have an Earth person wearing a power ring. But we've got a half a dozen or so running around. It's like anybody can get one. And and it, once that happens, you're it's not special anymore. And I think that's part of the problem is there's no value in being the Green Lantern because anybody can throw a ring on and use it, apparently. Yeah, I remember you mentioned that on the podcast one time. I thought I was always under the impression that the ring chose you, you know, because you right. had to overcome great fear. Well, now it's just going that, oh, hey, there's some Joe Schmo. We're just going to give him a ring. Right. And in terms of what characters you call that, that's it's obviously going to be divisive because every character has a, a fan base and you're going to tick off fan bases no matter what you do. If you if you start calling characters and getting rid of them or you find them the new role. Uh, you know, I, I think DC has struggled to figure out what to do with Kyle since the core came back a- and they either need to find a role for him or, or move on and give him either another role or put him aside for a while or the same, you know, I don't know if Jessica's as popular as people think she is. Um, that, does she need to be around? I don't know. I, I, I don't find the character particularly interesting, but that's just me. I know the people that do and are passionate about her, but is there, is there, is there enough, if is there is enough opportunity to make the characters viable? And if there aren't, then we need to reduce the number of characters. And and we have to stop creating more until we figure out how to use the ones we have more effectively. Uh, you've, you've always been a proponent of that. And and, and that rings true. I mean, it, it makes a lot of sense to be that way, you know. Well, even, and, to, even when it comes to, to Jessica Cruz, sure, I'm a huge fan of her. Do I think she can sit here and be put on the big screen and carry her own movie? Hell no. I mean, not by any means. She'd have to have some kind of supporting cast to be able to even venture off to, 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 to broaden what you're going to be talking about. I mean, just to throw her on the screen, Jessica Cruz is the new Green Lantern. Now, to me, I'm looking at that saying, okay, that's just a failed attempt of at trying to put a, a, a strong female lead in a role that wasn't created for her to begin with, but yet she's going to run off the, the, off the mythology of a character that has, in a sense, been a white male. And I hate to say it, but that's just the way it is. Or an African-American that was an African-American male that was playing in, in an animated series that drew a lot of fandom. I mean, who, who knows where she's even going to go after Odyssey's over? You know, there's not even talk about what's going to happen to her anymore now. So she could fall off the map just like, thankfully, Simon Baz did. <laughs> <laughs> but he's still there. He's on the fringes. It's like fl- flat earth, Simon Baz. He just fell over the edge. Yeah, but he, but he could come back. He could come uh, back. They always come back. 
Yes, everybody always comes. And, and you know, yeah. one of the things I mentioned was to stop using Green Lantern as a punchline. You know, you can't on one hand cry that, that nobody wants the character, nobody likes the character, but on the other hand, bash the character because you're, you're, you're making a self-fulfilling prophecy. It's okay to have humor. I mean, think about Aquaman. He was the, he was the punchline of how many jokes for how many years. Right. And even DC, when they were getting ready to make the movie, if you looked at Robot Chicken, there was a, the whole thing was about the first Robot Chicken special was all about making fun of Aquaman and his lack of powers. Uh, we, Green Lantern fans have a sense of humor, but when it's when you're repeatedly the punchline and you're a character that's, that's is more popular than what DC wants to give it credit for, it's hard just to have every appearance be a punchline. And who and who flipped that on a slid? Jeff Johns when he came out with when he when he redid the Aquaman series. He he flipped that whole that whole narrative on its lid. And ever since that time that, that those have been printed, Aquaman has been I mean an ongoing character. I mean, hell, with his own movie, he's grown so much popularity. That's a good point, even though we know Jeff Johns is a dirty yeah. word these days. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. That's sad. <laughs> It doesn't take facts these days. Well, yeah, and and, no. And, and, no. And, and that's that's sort of shaky ground to get in on because it's 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 on the one hand, and I don't want to get too political here, but like they, on on the one hand, uh, you know, innocent until proven guilty, but also there's the the idea of believe the victim sort of a sort right. of mentality out there, and and uh, you know, innocent until proven guilty, but also I don't want to sit here and say Ray Fisher and Jason Momoa are talk are, are talking out of their ass either. Right, uh, you, can be, you can be you can be innocent until proven guilty all you want. I mean, but the the innocent victim is always gonna is always gonna be the louder cry. Well, l- let's be let's be honest. These days, it's not innocent until proven guilty. It's guilty until proven guilty. Yeah, um, yeah. But in the court of in the court exactly, of public opinion, exactly. yes, that's that that's 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 the difference. That's why when getting deep, which is. Well, I, I guess it's okay because if anybody has hung in this long, but it's right. really bad. <laughs> in the wrong end, right? Because right, I mean, we we all know that in in the legal system, like if, if we're talking like if it's a, if if it's a rape case, that you know we all know what the you know what the victim ha- has to deal with, you know, when they get put on the stand and 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 how they get treated. Which again, objectively speaking, you understand why the d- defense does that because it's a believability issue, it's a character issue, but. So they get the cra- this absolutely crappy end when you actually get into the court. But that also being said, if, if person A is accused of rape and the court of public opinion, people always assume that they did it at first. You're very ra- you can get a rare exception, but the reality is most people think unless there's a unless some, there's some serious doubt, if you accuse person A of, of rape, then the people automatically tend to jump on the band. They assume they do tend to assume. Right. You're and you never come and out then, of it. You, you, you never do. No, you don't very often. Yes. Very often you, you never do whether if you're, if you were innocent and you were, com- and it was complete, you know, slander or libel, it doesn't matter. It's the reality. So it, and that's what it is. So with the Jeff Johns thing, I, I don't know. I don't know what the deal is. We don't, I mean, as far as the Whedon's to me, the Whedon stuff and the John and the John stuff, it's, 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 it could be split into two. I mean, Whedon has his own baggage. You know, if, if, if Jeff Johns basically just said, said something like, Hey, you know, if you're, if he brought him into the office and say, well, you know, what's going, what's going on? Are you, you know, you're going to be, are you okay doing this? You're gonna are you are you gonna be able to work here? Is this a problem? Because you know we could always replace you, and then and that and that becomes and no matter how how nicely it was put, it's like you know I don't want you to be unhappy here too. It's like if it, it really if this really isn't gonna work, hey, you know we can just go our separate ways. Or whether he was more bottom line saying, hey, it's 
like, listen, either, you know, do you want to be here? Do you not want to be here? Because we can replace you. Either you say, either say either booyah, way. or we're going to get somebody who will say booyah for you. <laughs> <laughs> I know your booyah was better than someone else's, <laughs> than number two, but we can't right, replace right. you. But either way, either way, it's like, uh, it, it's just right. tough. So it's like, but it's, I, I've, I've, I'm a little. I then I don't like people piling on when it's in, when it's the drug of the moment because we know and where we are in society these days, it's real easy. It's like, oh, everybody's everybody's coming after person A, so A, I have to distance myself from person A. So and maybe the best way for me to do it is I'll help throw them under the bus a little bit more because <laughs> they won't look at me for now, which doesn't mean they won't do it three months from now. But for now, hey, I'm scot free. Uh, so no. there's an element of that. I I find it hard to believe. I don't necessarily buy everything about about Jeff Johns and but who knows. But the reality is yes, in the court of public in the court of public opinion, we know it was interesting, quick brief tangent. I read some when I was reading a review of like two jokers, three jokers number two, which I have not read yet, that it was a review that was kind of really negative about it. And I saw somebody saying, Oh, it's, it's actually refreshing to see somebody like uh do a negative review of Jeff Johns, because usually everybody's so just like just over the top in love with everything Jeff Johns does. And I stopped and I thought, it's like, well, that is true on one level because it could be interpreted multiple ways. Somebody, person A could have really wanted to write negative things before about Jeff Johns, but they thought they were going to get hell from it. And it was going to hurt. The, <laughs> it was going to hurt them to do it. But now because of what's going on, they have free reign. Or it's like, well, I really don't necessarily think all that negative about Jeff. I mean, or, or I, I have a little of animosity against Jeff Johns. Maybe it's personal. Maybe it's not just a little bit, but it's like. Hey, I can write this now because no one's going to look at me. <laughs> so, but I thought it was, it was just kind of funny that like, like the world that we live in, but which isn't funny. It's depressing, <laughs> but, but I digest. Where are we? Any, <laughs> as we got any, any, any more, any more suggestions or should we steer us toward the inevitable conclusion? <laughs> I think Chad, you need to bring this ship home. Mark's the moderator, man. Let's <laughs> let, let, let let him do his job. We're not going to overspeak. We're not going to speak over the moderator. We have agreed to the rules of this debate <laughs> prior, prior to the beginning of the debate. Your and time is up, Chad. Your two minutes is up. We we, we, we will do better than than either party. Uh, although one clearly talked over more than the other, but we will do better than either party and adhere to the rules of the debate and let the damn moderator speak. So go for it, Mark. What do you want to do? <laughs> Chad, you're ignorant slut. No, uh, <laughs> no, we're two for one episode. So pretty much at this point, if anybody really has something that they've uh, as a conclusion that they didn't say or something, they well, they want to wrap everything up in an, in a nutshell. That's that's perfectly fine. But for for Phil and Myron, I also figured this was a good segue. If you want to do that and any and plugging whatever you want to plug, feel free to do that in your closing statements as well. And then and then I guess I'll let Chad say something if he wants to, and then we call home. <laughs> <laughs> I, I listen to chat all the time, so it's not nearly as important. <laughs> uh, we we don't really have anything to plug, do we, Phil? I mean, we're just you got your show. You well, your no, show? we're do, we're doing the uh, we're we're doing the the Jeff. I mean, we can plug the Jeff Johns. We're doing the uh, Jeff Johns run on uh, Retro Review right now. Um, you know, other than that, we're just doing the the, the monthly uh, the Green Lantern titles or whatnot so uh no it's kind of it's kind of nice to, to focus on a, on a on a singular issue tonight when it comes to stating all of our cases on on why we th- we think green lantern should be included in the dc universe you know and you know i know i miss talking to you guys and and i mean i i love talking to myron when we when we hook up every other week you know it's always a highlight 
I was looking forward to doing this. I couldn't wait to be here for it. And it, it's fun to be on an, an on a parent podcast because, you know, we're both in this for the for the fans, you know, and, and our listeners for that matter. And, you know, and all the people that, that do tune in to us or download our podcast. You know, and I can't say this to Myron enough, you know, I'm I'm honored and thrilled every time that I get to get on here to be a part of his podcast that he brought me into since Bill left. And I was filling big shoes and I don't, you know, I don't think I'll ever fill those big shoes, but you know, I'm, I'm doing the best I can. And, you know, and I just, I just love being a part of this and, and it's a good time, you know, hanging out with you guys. Well, I, I, you know, we, we have, you know, we each have our own show and we're not in competition with each other. I think we share, I think right. the Venn diagram is close to a circle uh, between the audiences that we have, mm-hmm. but I think for, for having the opportunity for all four of us getting together, if you think about it combined, you've got over a century of, of Green Lantern fandom amongst the four of us easily over a century. And so we're bringing some content that you normally aren't going to get and certainly different opinions, different perspectives, but yet we're all still want the same thing. And that's really important. I look at this like, you know, when, I don't want to say an intercompany crossover, but this is like one of those situations where Spider-Man and Superman are getting together and, and it's us and, and you guys together. And we're, we're on the same page where we all want the same thing. We, we all have a tremendous love and passion for this, this franchise and want to see it be what we know it can be. And for that, there's, there's no room for division. We all, we're all on the same page. Like I said, we're, we're the fellowship of the ring really. Yeah. That's a good way to put it. Yeah. To, to sort of tie the whole thing in a bow, I guess, uh, as, as, uh, elegantly or inelegantly as I can, the idea behind this episode was if, if there was one thing I didn't want to do, I didn't want this episode to come across like a bunch of fanboys going, eh, my favorite character isn't getting the spotlight. I didn't want it to seem like a toddler stopping and, and throwing a fit because we're not getting what we want. I wanted, that's why I wanted to kick the entire thing off with facts. Now you can interpret those facts how you want, but that's why I made it a point to like, if I mentioned a tweet, I'm going to bring up the date and who tweeted it. And so on and so forth. Now you can say it's happenstance or this happened to cause fandom not to present this or whatever. But the facts are the facts. But if all we did was present the facts, then again, even if every single bit of it was 100% verifiable, it still just sound like fan complaining. That's why I also wanted to include things like this is why the project is this is why the franchise is viable. This is how it can make money. This is how it can appeal to people and give DC themselves suggestions for how to improve not hey you guys suck because you're not doing blah 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 but i see you're doing this how about this i see this could cost you little to no money why don't you do this and so on and so forth we've even suggested things that as fans maybe we're not that comfortable with calling the line makes sense to all of us which lanterns you call (laughs) differs by each of us i would i would assume but I think we can all agree that even if it's uncomfortable for us, we probably think it's probably in the best interest of this franchise that we love so much. We wanted to include things that we're not necessarily comfortable with. Now, this episode is long, and we know that there's a lot of people out there who aren't going to have the patience to listen to the whole thing or whatever. But I would hope that as fans, you guys spread this episode as far and wide as you possibly can with your own commentary and your own suggestions and your own facts as level-headed as you can make them without making it sound like you're stomping on the ground and pouting. Don't get me wrong. We're fans and have been fans for a long time. So some passion and some vigor behind what you're saying is 100% warranted. It's just a fact of this industry. 
especially if you're talking about giving due diligence to something you love so much. This isn't sharing this episode and your thoughts on it with the general public, whether you're retweeting a tweet from either one of our, our, our accounts that introduces this episode, or you're talking about it over on the Facebook group, or emailing it to friends, or whatever way of sharing it you do, or discussing it that you do. It's not about giving the Lantern cast more views, or more hits, or whatever. It's about spreading this idea as far as possible. Because no single one of us on this episode is a writer or an artist or an editor or has the, uh, the direct ear to influence a writer, artist, editor, producer, actor, lighting specialist, sound, sound mixer, whatever, on any of the properties that DC works on, either print or television or film. These podcasts that both of us do or, or that all of us do, these two podcasts, this is all we have. This is all the influence we have. This is all we can do is present a level-headed argument as possible. Now, we went into things that aren't necessarily 100% related to the things like the Snyder Cut or it, we went when we talked about politics or current issues or whatever. But in reality, we're friends and uh, we're, we're not robots who are just sit here going to <laughs> adhere to a script. If we're going to talk about something, we're going to go where our minds take us. So if you didn't like the politics or if you didn't like uh, things not being 100% adhered to, then that's neither here nor there. That's preference, whatever. But I think we can all agree that the facts, the pitch, and ideas for improvement are something we can, we can include out there that's, that's, that's better for the fandom than just simply complaining. I don't. Personally, I, Chad Bokelman, I'm not speaking on behalf of Myron, Phil, or Mark, I do not like the Grant Morrison series. But Myron talked about tonight, one of the things he talked about were the sales numbers for it. You know what? I want to rip my hair out when I read an issue of a Grant Morrison series. But I cannot deny that it's good for the franchise I love that that book is succeeding. So, if you love that series, freaking more power to you. These are the types of things I'm not comfortable with or I don't like, but I don't care because it means the thing I love is getting some attention. But I think the root cause of me wanting to do this episode is it wasn't just where the lantern, the Green Lantern isn't getting attention. It wasn't where Green Lantern isn't part of the Trinity anymore like he was during the Jeff Johns era. Realistically speaking, Myron mentioned it earlier, things are cyclical. Some Those sorts of Trinity things and who's like the big flavor of the moment, that's going to fade in and out. The Trinity has always been the Trinity and will continue to be the Trinity. Superman, Batman, Wonder Woman. But the core seven, the A-list, should also always be the A-list. And when you have huge pushes for members of the seven, like Flash and Aquaman, and are purposefully excluding Green Lantern, that's a problem. I'm not thinking we should go back to the era where we have New Guardians and Red Lanterns and Larflees and Sinestro and Green Lantern Corps and Green Lantern and blah, 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 blah. And big events like Blackest Night where the, it touches the entire universe and it's all Green Lantern all the time. That would be great. But I'm not, I'm not pitching that. I'm just saying there has been a noticeable aversion to pursuing the franchise of Green Lantern as a viable property in most every media, and it is to the point now where it needed to be addressed. Mark, um, I think I'm rambling a little bit, so I'll let you go ahead and uh-huh. close this out. But, 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 uh, I did want to address something, and, and, and 
you know, you can edit this clip out or whatever if you don't want to talk about it. But I, I think one of the, the your concerns going into this episode was that it could sound like a State of the Union Part Two or or point point five or whatever. Do do you do you still feel that way, or do do you think that do you think that uh, do you think that we did this? Uh, do you think that we did this the way in a way that kind of alleviated those concerns? That's a that's a leading question. I feel feel free to edit it out if you feel like I just dropped this bomb on you or whatever. Or oh, I'm not, I'm not worried about editing it out. I mean, that's that's that's, that's not my point. I, I, my point. I, I, I don't I don't know that I asked it in the right way, but I, hopefully you understand what I mean. Look, don't ask. But either way, don't ask it again. No, I'm, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not. <laughs> the point is. The, the, let me let me let me be without doing the voice. Let me be Clinton asking how I approach the answer to this question. Um, I think we did a good job. I think we did a pretty good job overall going through the three pillars that we plan on covering here and dealing with the topic as a whole and trying anyway, whether it succeeded or be the in the ear of the beholder, whether we succeeded and not coming across as being particularly whiny and just having some free flow. Free flowing, even though obviously we had outline—no pun intended—outlines, and and we had you know ideas already written down, but we 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 kind of went with where it, it took us as far as back, you know the back and forth. I think we succeeded there. Now you're on ants, but getting the PC stuff out of the way. When you're asking me, do I think it? We successfully distanced our distanced ourselves that much from a general state of the Green Lantern Union. Probably not, in all honesty. Only because I mean, we didn't. We may not have delved into specific things related to the books all as much because of the fact that we're talking about overall exclusion for Green Lantern and and more in a multimedia and bigger picture sense. Since Green Lantern does have technically two books right now, but I think I still think it's it's it's. It falls in the same under the same overall tent. It wasn't. It was more rigidly focused, I think, as far as the regular state of the Green Lantern Union normally is. But so, but yeah. Well, I I I, I do want to apologize to the listeners because I only wanted what I just kind of spewed out into the into the ether for like a solid ten minutes or whatever the hell it felt like. Uh, I wanted to keep that shorter, but apparently I'm long winded as hell and. Uh, well, you know, without getting too personal, I've got a lot of shit going on, and uh, the 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 idea of just kind of focusing on something as look, there's there's huge issues in this country right now of almost every facet that is overwhelming our day to day lives. The idea of just wapsing rhapsodic uh, about a, a a character like a comic book character is frankly therapeutic. <laughs> so uh, I apologize for rambling ad nauseum uh, to the listeners. You know what I will say, Mark, what I want you to do with this whole entire episode after we're done. Delete it. No, I'm kidding. No, no, no. <laughs> what you should do is you should take it all, put it on a nice recording, put a nice little bow around it. Walk up to the head of DC marketing, hold out your hand, mic drop that shit. <laughs> Listen to this. I'll be hearing from you soon. And then walk the hell away. <laughs> and then two days later, we'll all get to cease and desist orders. <laughs> all our computers will be confiscated. Hey, look, email. Shut down. <laughs> Copyright notices for including things like <laughs> the right. cover of the the issue we're reviewing. <laughs> yeah. well, find everything. Uh, find everything under the sun. The the the, the missing miss. The missing minutes of the Nixon tapes, Hillary's email. We'll find it all. <laughs> it's like 
Oh God. All right. Let me, let me wrap this sucker up. Um, <clears throat> so if anybody's still with us and you would like to contact us after this episode, and we understand if you don't, but it's lanterncast at gmail.com. The website is lanterncast.com. You can follow us on Twitter, like us on Facebook, use hashtag GLcast to locate us there. We are on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Stitcher. Please leave us a positive review. Last but not least, if you'd like to leave us a voicemail or a text, 708-LANTERN is that number, and let us know what you think. Yeah, uh, and if you're a LanternCast listener, go listen to the podcast of Oa, 100%. Thank you, guys. Thank you. Thank you, guys.